Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Biggest draft busts in Jaguars history. Don't look at me like that, Austin Lane. I'm not going to bring you I up. Forget, I forgot to do my homework. Wow, man, I didn't know we're starting <laughs> today like that. First of all, how, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. That's fantastic. What'd you do today? Uh, um, I went to the YMCA. Great, Brent. Good. Sounds good. I think that's a. I think that's an Action Sports Jacks promo right there. <laughs> Easy coos. I, I did not play golf. Yes, I did play golf today. In fact, shocking. Yeah. Color me trying to get ready to go, man. It's busy when you're trying to get ready to go. I fly out at 8 o'clock tonight, going to Nashville, going to party with the country folks, mm. Music City, and uh, ready for draft coverage. But we got a big show lined up for the draft. In fact, we will talk. Do you know, if, if I had asked you this, right, biggest draft busts in Jags history, you'd be like, well, the list is long, wouldn't you? I mean, like, busts. See, to me, a bust has to be a first-round pick. And there are a few that stick out to me, yes. Yeah, but I think overall, I'd be like, wow. So I went through the list last night, and we're trying to do something for ActionNewsJax.com, some of our draft coverage in, in our web in our uh, website. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm finding draft busts, but also draft hits. And the list for hits is much longer than busts, at least the way I characterize them. Now, everybody has their own opinions on guys. Uh, there are bad picks. But that's a different than a bust. I agree with you. I think that first round pick is what we're talking about when we get actual bust. Like, is Blake Bortles a bust? He was. Uh, so I have it in the top five busts. I have him and Joe Cole tied at number five. Really? Yes. See, that's interesting to me. See, now again, you got to remember here. Let's uh, full disclosure. I was a Blake defender for a long time. That's what I heard. <laughs> but, but see, I have a hard time labeling a guy who played five years in. Uh, for this franchise, got him to an AFC championship game. The only one, one of three that this franchise has ever had, has a lot of records passing the football, actually, as a bust. Now, disappointment, not as good as you thought. But again, I, I just talked to somebody else. They said, yeah, Bortles probably on the list. We're going to to that list. So I, I think our opinions do vary there. Um, and when you miss on the quarterback, you miss on the quarterback. So it, it's almost like a... It's a qualifier automatically, so I understand it. But, again, I think, like, Blaine Gabbert, to me, is a bust. He was number three for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he he is a clear bust. Yeah. Uh, I think Blake Bortles is a little muddier on that front, uh, whereas I think Gabbert's crystal clear. So uh, we'll talk about it. We'll see what the other ones are. And, by the way, there have been bad picks. Like, Brian Anger is a bad pick. That's not his fault. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a bust. It's just, why would you pick a punter in the third round? That's a miserable, awful, bad pick. In fact, I would qualify that as maybe the worst pick in franchise history. And I would also put up there guys like Derek Harvey. But yeah. you could make the case that the worst pick in franchise history is that third-round pick on a punter when you had a guy that just got re-signed for $140 million, uh, a couple of seats behind him mm-hmm. in the draft. So I think you can make those arguments. And, again, it's all debatable, and that's why we have talk radio, and that's why we have fun on draft week. So we want to know, give me some of the best hits in the Jaguars draft classes in the last 25 years. And the biggest misses and, and really the biggest busts um, in the Jags draft classes over the years. And here's another way to quantify hits, because 
I actually think first-round guys. See, like Fred Taylor and Tony Baselli might be the best hit ever. I mean, he's the first pick ever. He's he's in my top five just because he's going to be the only Hall of Famer that the Jaguars have produced. That's right. So you have to put him as a hit. That's right. Mm -hmm. I would think he's a hit, but I also think first-round guys are supposed to be good. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? But that's not the way it always works out. It is. is it? Yeah. So not especially, take, especially in Jacksonville. <laughs> it's not to take away from Fred Taylor or uh or, or Tony Baselli or other guys that are picked, but I'm almost looking at guys second round, third round, fourth round. Do you know here's a guy that we've talked about this week that you would actually have to label as a hit for Jacksonville, but Telvin people Smith. are mad at him right now? Yeah, he's, Smith, he's a fifth round pick. He's a fifth round pick that made a Pro Bowl. Mm -hmm. Now is he one of the best of all time hits? I think that's debatable. He made one Pro Bowl, and he's, he's had some good moments. He's in my top five. Interesting. I mean, he's, he's a fifth-round pick. He's a Pro Bowl player. I think anytime you talk about that, you're in consideration. I think for the that's best a valid draft. argument. Yeah. I don't know if I totally agree with you, but I do think it's a valid argument. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Let's do it. Uh, and, and it's in line with some of the stuff we're doing on TV. So I was like, hey, what the heck? And, and I know people are, are interested in the draft. So give us give it to us uh, on the social media channels, of course. You can also give us a buzz, 904 362 9901. We'll be on the road in Nashville tomorrow and Thursday with the show. We'll talk to a lot of the prospects. Today we're going to spend some time talking about your expertise, the defensive line. And what this draft offers from the defensive line, there's some news out today that might not offer as much as everybody thought. And I'm starting to wonder if these guys that I thought could slip to the Jags at number seven that look so good on paper, the Jags would have a hard time passing them up. Well, that might be dwindling with the news of Josh Sweat and now the news of Gary uh, Montez Sweat. I'm sorry, Montez Sweat. You're good. No worries. <laughs> I, I think Sweat. I, by the way. I might call Montez Sweat Josh Sweat forever. I might have already done it 15 times. Are you getting confused with Josh Allen? No, uh, Josh Sweat played for uh, was he Florida State guy, I think. Oh, okay. And so gotcha. I'm I'm thinking Sweat and I'm thinking Josh instead of Montez. No but worries. Thank you for correcting me. You might have to do it a few more times. <laughs> no worries. Um, but with the news of Sweat uh, yeah. and the news of uh, Gary today mm -hmm. and that labrum. That's not good. No, that's a, that's a bad sign, right? So... Let's talk about Sweat first since you brought him up. With Montez Sweat, it's it's a heart condition from what I understand, which is baffling to me because he went to the combine and and I sat here and I talked about just the due diligence that each team does with Montez, you know, with Montez Sweat or any player where they go around like your history, your background, um, they test everything, CAT scans, uh, MRIs, you name it, you're getting it. And from my understanding was Montez Sweat got cleared by all those things at the Combine. And now we're about two weeks away from the draft, and all of a sudden reports start to come out that he has, a heart, he has a heart condition. That could be a serious thing. And I've read it also like scouts are saying that some teams are completely turned off by him and have thrown him off the draft boards, which is insane to me. Yeah, well, there's also some character stuff, right, with, with Sweat. Yeah. It's some question marks. And I don't know how deep that goes, but it's question mark stuff. And now you combine it with the heart thing, mm -hmm. and that does have a little slide potential. Now he's a freaky athlete, mm -hmm. really good athlete. I was talking to Jeff Lagerman about him yesterday, and it's just a bend on the guy. He said he's, he really likes him. But now with all this other stuff, you have to wonder uh, where it ends up. And remember, he's a guy that was scheduled to go to the draft in Nashville and be one of the 23 or 24 guys that are going, and he backed out of it. So he must know something's up. He's starting to hear some things. So I, I think it's uh, definitely worth keeping an eye on. But to me, it's no longer a safe bet for the Jags. You have to be, you have to have a guy slip to you that, you, like, if you love Josh Allen from Kentucky mm -hmm. and he slips 
and you had him as like your second best player on the board, and he slips to seven. That's tough to pass up on, even though it's a defensive player rather than an offensive player, which I think most people want to see the Jags go after. So that's the kind of scenario I'm talking with the Jags. But now if you have Gary slipping through and Sweat slipping through, there's less likelihood that someone big, someone that Jags have on the top three on their board or four on their board, slips to them at number seven, in my opinion. And Montez, listen, Montez Sweat is a guy that I've been talking about since the Senior Bowl. I've been really impressed with him. Um, he's got all the freak attributes. I mean, the guy has one of the fastest 40-hard dash times ever at the yeah. position. You fell uh, in love with has, him at the combine. I did. He's got the vertical. I mean, all I, all I needed to see was his very first pass rush where he bull rushed a dude, put him right on his back. I'm like, all right, I'm sold. This guy's the real deal. In terms of the heart condition, I would say pump your brakes a little bit because, like I said, the guy got cleared already from the combine. So... It's maybe not that big of a deal, but hey, let's let's look at another guy who the Jaguars got that that was gifted to them. Miles Jack. Miles Jack was a guy coming out of college who there was concerns that he only had like four or five good years because of a knee injury. Well, the Jaguars got lucky and he fell to the second round. What happened? Miles Jack's been balling out ever since, and yeah. we haven't heard anything about that knee injury. Now, so keep in mind, you I have to be careful sometimes yeah, with these I, I injuries. I get you, right? but that's also a second round pick, so that seemed like great yeah. value. And also the one thing about. Uh, Miles Jack, and it's still a little bit to be determined. And I understand he's been healthy, but people were concerned about year four and year five in the NFL. They were concerned more about the second contract with Miles Jack, but uh, I mean, uh, instead of the does, first one. Is there like a ticking time bomb on his knees where all of a sudden it's just going to well, go they, off? They and were concerned about that. Well, what? But, don't, but don't you I, have to be a little concerned about that with a guy with a heart issue too? And I don't take that. I'm not saying that lightly. I, I'm, yeah, no, I understand that. But because you just, want to get guys into a second contract. That's the idea with no, the GM when you pick, especially high. I agree, but to me, if the guy had that serious of a heart issue, then it should have been flagged at the combine. Like it, it should have yeah. never left there. The, the the fact that he went to the combine, got cleared, ran all the drills, did the pro day, and all of a sudden now it's like, oh, well, he's got a heart issue. I mean, unless this thing just popped up out of nowhere, or if it's something that really went. Un, you know, like that went missed by 30-something teams. I don't think that's the case. So well, but, I'm, I'm but, not taking too much into it. But man. it's very similar to Miles Jack in this sense. Half the teams were like, I don't want to do this with Miles Jack. I'm not risking this with Miles Jack. The other half, yeah. or maybe there were 10 or 12, I don't know the exact number, said, all right, if he comes, if he's here, we'll take a flyer on him. But remember, the, I mean, the Jags got him at like number 35, I think it was, or 34. Mm-hmm. And maybe the Jags find themselves, maybe some team finds themselves in a situation like that with Sweat. He's not going to drop out of the draft, but he no. drops far enough down where you're like, wait a minute, he's still around at number 23. I'll jump back in the second round, first round, late first round. I'm going to go grab this guy. Now at 23, it's worth taking. At number seven, not worth taking. And I agree with that, not for his, his heart standpoint, but I just think from a player standpoint, um, I didn't have him going, you know, top, even probably top 10. And then the, the heart issue came out and then his, um, you know, off the field stuff as well. So he was never a guy that was really on my radar for uh, for a dude that the Jaguars should take with the, you know, the number seven pick. Uh, if we're talking about edge rushers, though, or even defensive tackles um, in the pass rush, there's a few things that I would look for and I'm sure most coaches look for. And the number one thing I'm looking for is the get-off because at the end of the day, you cannot teach get-off. You, you you can teach hand placement. You can teach some pass rush moves, but you cannot teach the get-off. So I did a little research. I kind of looked at some defensive linemen who had really good 10-yard split times because that's what I'm looking for. Uh 
a prime example would be Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is a guy that ran a four seven five, and people, some people that don't follow the game that much might be like, this guy's maybe going to go number one because of a four seven five. Like, what's up with that? Well, Nick Bosa also ran a one point six zero ten yard split, which mm. is one of the best at the combine. To kind of put in perspective a little bit, Von Miller ran a one point five nine, so he's literally a fraction of a tenth off from Von Miller's production in the ten yard split. So get off is really big for me. All right, let's start there. We want to go yeah. with the defensive line. By the way, coming up at four o'clock. Ed Oliver's coach from college and high school, a guy that's known Ed Oliver since seventh grade, will join the show. Talk a little bit about Ed Oliver. I can't wait. And at 445, we'll go up to Nashville, Tennessee. How are the preparations for the draft? And what are the Titans looking into? Go to our buddy Steve Lehman from up in Nashville. He'll jump in. Because I want to talk about the AFC South a little bit in the next couple of days. Titans, uh, Texans, and Colts. What are they looking for? Because you have to win your division first. So much more to come here on a Tuesday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're talking draft. Jump in the conversation. 904-362-9901. All right, who you like on the defensive line? And by the way, I don't think this is far-fetched for the Jaguars. I really don't. Uh, I we, we all agree on this. I, I think most people agree. Some people still have high hopes for Haskins. I think you're crazy. Uh, but some people might have high hopes for DK Metcalf. I think you're crazy. And by the way, I say that in a very nice way, as nice as I can. I, I don't think you're, like, really, really crazy, but you're kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> I do think the... Offensive line is obviously a play, right? Jonah Mm -hmm. Williams, Jawan Taylor. Am I missing somebody on the offensive line? Jonah Williams and Jawan Taylor is as simple as that? Uh, For for like where the Jaguars are? I think so, yeah. And I think the Jags will take the first offensive lineman. See, a lot of people I think believe, uh, I think it's Tampa. Mm. Maybe has Jonah Williams going to Tampa. Mm. or, Or maybe it's Taylor, whoever the first one. I don't think that. I, I think it's going to be such a run on defensive players that they, whether it's Bush, whether whoever it might be, I, I think it's um, unlikely that an offensive lineman goes before the Jags. So I do think they'll have the pick of their offensive lineman. Yeah. Where do they value the right tackle? Then of course tight end. We all have talked about it enough. We all wanted the, the emotional tie to tight end has never been bigger <laughs> yeah. in the NFL. Like, has there ever been a team? In the NFL, whose fan base wanted the, their team to pick a tight end more than the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. It's <laughs> a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm in love with it, too. So, therefore, I'm crazy with are. you, people. But I'm there for you. Uh, but I do think the one thing we've talked about it again, we've talked about every scenario. I still believe edge rusher is a is an issue on this team. Mm-hmm. Now, is it a major issue? No, but it's a depth issue and it's a forward thinking issue. If you start factoring in age with Calais Campbell and depth behind Yannick Ngakwe, simple as that. The Jags can't. The, it, it's a, a to me, it is irresponsible to just rely on those two guys in 2019. And what you're going to tell me is, well, they have McCray and they have uh, Dewan Smoot. Okay. But if you want to be good and great, you don't know what you're getting from those guys. So it's irresponsible for the Jags to say we're all set with Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe. Now, that doesn't mean you have to pick somebody in the first round, but you have to address it and try to improve it at some point during the draft this week, in my opinion. And then... You bring in other players on the defensive front because they just might be better. Ed Oliver, we're going to talk a lot about him today. Mm -hmm. So 
as a whole, I think this defensive line is in play, Austin. Not only that, I at the moment lean toward that's where the Jags are going to go. Although I am, I just hit a hiccup today because of the news on Rashawn Gary and also because of Montez Sweat. Now their numbers are starting to dwindle a little bit. There was this, there was this whole pot of five, six, seven, eight guys that were figured to be, oh, maybe blue chip kind of guys. Well, now you just took two of those away potentially that I think will fall in the draft. And so who gets to the Jacksonville Jaguars at number seven on that defensive line? Gary to me was never a guy that was in play for the Jaguars regardless. Um, Listen, he's got a great motor. I've, I've seen him play the Badgers a couple of times, and I know what he brings to the table. And he's a coveted edge rusher, as scouts are calling him. But what makes me nervous about Gary is the fact that uh, this past season, played nine games, only had three and a half sacks. And the previous year, when he played in every single game of the season, only had five and a half sacks. So from that standpoint... It makes me a little nervous when when you have Josh Allen from Kentucky, who just is an absolute freak, who put up big numbers. I mean, I think he averaged, what, one point, I think it was 1.4 sacks a game or something like that. It, it equaled out to, like, just, just a beast. So I understand, like, sometimes you're drafting guys based on their potential, but especially as a pass rusher, you want to get a guy that is, especially to come in and play right away, you want a guy like Josh Allen, a guy that's got the pedigree, a guy that's got the sack numbers, and especially playing the SEC. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that Josh Allen's going to be the real deal. But yeah. g- getting back to my breakdown quick, so uh, the, the first thing I said I'm going to look for in a pass rusher is the get-off. I mean, so much so that I remember when I played in the Lions, Schwartz was like just I don't want to call him a Nazi, but he was almost like a Nazi on get off where every single play that we we ran in practice, uh we're watching the film in the in the film room, he would pause it and he would look at the guy on the defensive line who came off the ball first. Every single time. So you take seventy plays into account during practice, we he paused every single one. It's like, all right, well, Sue's the first one off here or Taylor's the first one off here. You know, like he made it a point uh, to highlight the guy that was off the, the first off the ball every single time. So from that standpoint, I think the get off is very important. Number two, I'm looking for attitude and hustle. And this is actually going to come before the pass rush technique. With attitude and hustle, it's important for a various amount of reasons. I mean, you, you want a guy that can fit with your program. But to me, attitude and hustle shows that you can stop the run. Um, Joe Collins said it the best. He said, I can... I can teach you how to pass rush. I, I can give you the skills, but stopping the run, it's all about attitude and it's all about your mindset. And, and I agree with that from a, from a standpoint of if a guy's taking plays off, if a guy's lackadaisical, um, if he looks lost out there, I'm watching all that. And the number three, in terms of finding a pass rusher, then it's, it's where the techniques come in. And you know, what drives me crazy more than anything. I've been watching the, the ESPN draft talk and I've been seeing the breakdowns. Guys want to get into, well, this guy's got four or five pass rush moves. This guy's got a, a variety of pass rush moves that he can use. Let's not get it twisted here. Watch the greats. Watch Aaron Donald. Watch J.J. Watt. Watch Von Miller. They only have three pass rush moves. All you need, and I'm talking to college players out there that are hopefully get drafted one day. If you're listening right now, pay attention. All you need in the NFL really is three pass rush moves. You you need a fastball. You need a go-to move. You need a counter. And then you also need a, a, a curveball counter where it's like maybe a little change of pace one. So... What I'm watching for is the guy's pass rush moves as well that I'm recruit or uh, that I'm scouting because sometimes pass rushers get into the get into the habit of having their counter move be their best pass rush move. Sometimes you'll see this with a, a guy that likes to spin a lot. 
spinning's great, but if spinning is more of a feel move, it's more of a counter move. You shouldn't go into a pass rush thinking, all right, I'm going to spin here. A spin is all about feel. If you feel the tackle oversetting you, that's when you spin. So I'm looking at their pass rush moves as well. And then that's the third thing. All right. So you just gave us what, uh, from a pass rusher standpoint. Get off. I, I, yeah, attitude and then their moves. And three of them. Three of them. All right. I'm going to, this isn't throwing shade. What do you got? What didn't work for you? Yeah. Uh, to be not, uh, what, I mean, you had a few sacks. You played no, five years. Sure. I mean, you're NFL guy. So yep. again, I'm not, not, I'm just saying, yeah, from yeah. not still playing right now yeah. or having a, a 15 sack year, yeah. what separates the guys? So for me, it was two things it was my hips and my moves. Um, at Murray State, I, I, I relied a lot on my, on my rip move because the competition that I was playing against was slower. Um, they weren't as strong as maybe some of like the caliber, the high caliber D1 programs. So I got by with using my get off and using my rip move. Didn't really have an arsenal of moves. Now that's fine. A coach can teach you an arsenal of moves, but if that's the case, you have to put the moves and your hips together. And that's where I had the issues was I, I had some tight hips. Um, I couldn't bend as they say, and that's where I found some problems. Now, uh, fast forward to when I got to Kansas City a little bit, and then finally got to Chicago. There was a guy by the name of Joe Kim. Joe Kim was the guy that we saw mm-hmm. at, uh, That's at, right. at the Super Bowl. Yep. He's the Patriots like pass rush coordinator now, basically. Uh, he's a specialist. He he's worked with Aaron Cameron. He's worked with Tom Bali. He's worked with Justin Houston, just to name a few. So the guy knows his stuff. Uh, when I started to work with Joe Kim, that's when. Basically, like my eyes are open to pass rushing. Um, it was like night and day. And that's when I finally started to get my confidence of, you know, putting my moves together, putting my hips together. Because people want to say, well, he's got violent hands, violent hands. Well, you got to bring your hips with you and you got to bring your feet with you. And sometimes guys don't do that. So Joe Kim got me right, man. So by the time I was in Chicago, I felt like a brand new player. Unfortunately, it was kind of towards the twilight of my career. I, I didn't get a chance to showcase those moves. But Joe Kim really turned the, the, the you know, like it's like the light switch on for me interesting and yeah. so it's just a matter of sometimes it's timing when you get that and you still yeah. have to master that craft yeah you know you can learn something at 26 years old mm-hmm. then you got to go put the time in you got to get comfortable with you got to do all those other things i think that's part of the reason this organization gave up on dante fowler mm-hmm. take the personal stuff or, or the uh, the off the field stuff away on the football field he was a violent player had the will you're talking about, had the get-off, I think, in a lot of... But didn't really have the three moves. Well, like, everybody talked about his repertoire, and yeah. it wasn't much. And, and then to get on followers, part the thing, big thing I've heard about him from especially fans was he'd always spin. And I guess his spin was, like, his primary move. You can't have that. He has to go off field. If the guy's oversetting you, then you spin. But you, you never set up a spin uh, with something else. You just can't do it. What makes Yannick Ngakwe so great? We'll talk about that and... Two edge rushers that could end up in Jacksonville. We'll give them to you next on ESPN 690. Edge rushers can never have enough of them. The Jacksonville Jaguars have a really good one in Yannick Ngakwe. Let's talk about them for a moment. And then who else the Jags could get with that seven pick? Or what you also have to keep in mind here, everybody wants to trade back, right? Every year, everybody wants to trade back. Everybody wants to do it. And very few seem to do it. Uh, I can't believe... How many times the Jags have been in position to trade back, it, it appears, and have not? They haven't. They just haven't uh, in in this last five- or six-year run when they've had high draft picks. So it just shows you it's a lot more difficult uh, than people think it is. Or you basically have to have the number one or two pick <laughs> and, and go from there. Uh, and quarterbacks certainly come into play when you're talking about it. 
Fred Martin, Austin Lane, Coos here on a Tuesday, NFL Draft Week. So it's heavy NFL Draft. We get the balling and falling coming up in the next segment. We've got a couple of guests today. One on Ed Oliver, uh, who knows him very, very well. Coached him uh, no, since seventh grade. He's known him. So we're going to talk about Ed Oliver because that's another guy. And that's not an edge rusher, but it's another guy that could end up in Jacksonville if the Jaguars decide to go on the defensive line. We're also going to go to Nashville, talk a little bit more about the draft on the Titans and also about preparations. We will be in Nashville Wednesday and Thursday with the show as the Jaguars get ready to pick number seven in the 2019 draft. I want to talk to Yannick Ngakwe before we look at these other prospects. And yep. first of all, what's the Magic Whiteboard say? Oh, first I said installment. Loose, uh, second installment, actually. Oh, I, I missed I, the first one. You're all good. Uh, loose hips equals big money. Ah, Talking loose. to all the pass rushers out Great there. Great transition because isn't that where Yannick Ngakwe is about to make his money? Isn't it his hips, his bend, that makes him so good? Yeah. Uh, or I mean, again, I'm kind of putting you on the spot. It's not like you sat there and looked at tape the last couple of days. But no. when you see Yannick Ngakwe and the production he's had as a third-round pick, what's made him so good other than his will, and he's got a chip on his shoulder, but from a physical standpoint? From the games that I've watched with Ngakwe, which has been a, it's been a bunch, um, yes, his hips are evident. He's great at bending. Uh, that's that's apparent. But um, it's also his his finish. Uh, Joe Cullen, when when he coached us, he had three things. It was the get off, the move area, and the finish. The the, the get off is basically how you are out of your stance, throwing your fastball. The move area is the move that you set him up with, and the finish is self explanatory. So from what I've seen from Ngakwe, I mean he's got the get off for sure, and. Um, th- the, the move area is there in spades. Uh, the, uh, how am I putting this? Okay, so corners and defensive ends work together. Yes. The, the, the secondary and the defensive line work together. And a lot of his sacks that I've seen have come from the result of the corners playing up and uh, the receivers not getting open. And I don't call them coverage sacks because Yannick was still able to get to the quarterback in a, in a fast amount of time. But... um. It goes hand in hand. So from a standpoint where you think, well, maybe he's blocked in this play. No, like he's got the he's got that fire. He's got the heart to get around the tackle, even if the play looks like it's dead and the quarterback scrambles around and Gakwa is going to finish that play. And a lot of guys don't have that. I mean, yes, he's he's got the he's got the skill set and he's got the bend, but he also has the finish, which is important, which a lot of guys don't have. You know, you bring up something, too. And uh, again, you have to you don't just have what does he got like 29 sacks in three seasons? I mean, you don't just have that. You don't just. You don't just do that. You have something special. And by the way, there's a lot of people that miss this in their evaluations. This is why it's not a perfect science. Because how many teams right now would raise their hair and say, I'll take Yannick Ngakwe? Of course. <laughs> He's a third-round pick. In fact, when we talk busts and biggest hits, Yannick Ngakwe needs to be near the top of biggest hits. He's in my top five. <laughs> he, he should be. He should be. I mean, he's a third-round guy that has performed exceptionally. But I do think, and, and I think it's fair, but we don't know the answer. But it's what I say all the time. The NFL is situational. Russell Wilson, yes, he should have been picked before Brian Anger here in Jacksonville. But Russell Wilson would not be the quarterback, at least those first few years, that he was that in Seattle. He wouldn't have been. The offensive line here wasn't good. The team wasn't good. He might. He would have helped the Jags. I'm not saying that. But he would not have been the guy, the quarterback. And how would that have shaped the rest of his career? I firmly believe that. It's situational. He ended up in a good situation in Seattle, a very good fit with a good team that was about to erupt, and it did. And he helped them, and he helped them be elite. So, And now he's a $140 million guy. So yeah. I, I think it's situational. So to that point, 
I'm not taking anything away from Yannick Ngakwe. I think he's fantastic. But we will look back at some point, if not right now, and say he is playing alongside, or at least on the other side, of a guy who has 25 sacks in two years in Calais Campbell. Mm -hmm. He is playing with, at least two years ago, the best cornerback tandem in the NFL, and he's still got and all pro and pro bowlers back there in a defense that's very good. So he's a beneficiary of being in a good situation, in my opinion. But you just nailed it. You have to have a skill set. And to me, the one thing that jumps out at you, or at least that people will talk about, I'm not smart enough to know, is the bend. Yeah. is the hip bend and his ability to do that. And, and you mentioned finishing. I mean, you know how many times he's knocked that ball out of the yep. quarterback's hands. That's important, too. But you got to get there first. You do have to get there first. And it's funny. I mean, coming out of college, I remember – looking him up a little bit because I was curious to see he's from Illinois. I mean, I grew up in Wisconsin. I'm like, who is this guy? Because I I mean, I watched well, he's a couple a Maryland of, guy. Maryland. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Maryland guy. My yeah, bad. Yeah. But he, he played in the Big Ten. Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, so I was curious about him. And I look him up and his only, really his only con, like the only thing people were talking about was his size. Yes. Because they didn't at know the if he combine, the he run, was six right? two. Well, at the combine, he was 6'2". Yeah. He was 6'2", 250. And one would assume probably in college a little smaller than that. So there was some, there was some play, red flags against him playing the run, but also just being 6'2". Yeah. Which it's, it's always crazy to me that everyone thinks like Julius Peppers, you know, like this big 6'7", whatever, freak of nature, 6'8". I don't know how tall he is. He's a big guy. And people see Julius Pepper and is like, that's your prototypical defensive end. But the game has evolved. And, I mean, the guy got drafted a couple years ago, like, look at Von Miller. It's not like Von Miller is going to knock your socks off in terms of size or stature. But he's got the get-off, he's got the bend, and he's got the pass rush moves. That's what Yannick Ngakwe has. So sometimes, like, when people are evaluating, you know, edge rushers, don't make it so hard. Don't make it, oh, this guy's got short arms. This guy, you know, maybe he's small in the waist. If the guy can get off the ball, if he's got the, if he has the bend, he's probably going to be a pretty good edge rush. Yeah, and yeah. he is. He's fantastic. Yeah. He's about to get paid. I think the Jags should make him a new deal by Labor Day. Uh, we'll see what happens, but he's earned it. And mm -hmm. uh, let's hope he stays healthy and has another. I think he is set to have a monster year. The reason I say that is because I think he learned a lot last year. People mm -hmm. played him differently. He learned a lot. This guy has a chip like no other. We talked to him at the Super Bowl. He's, he's, a, he's a fun guy to talk to because he's a different dude, man. He is a different cat, and he's good. And I think he wants to be great. And I go by what Calais Campbell says. And I understand people be like, well, he also said Taven Bryan's the best rookie. That is. Well, this guy loves Yannick Ngakwe. I mean, he says this guy has Hall of Fame potential to stack the numbers up. I, I, I'm going to go with a guy that also has played in the league for a decade. And I, I respect the heck out of Calais Campbell's thoughts on that. And we'll see if he's right on Yannick Ngakwe. All right. What about edge rusher? What else can they do? Well, we don't think Nick Bosa's in play. So let's take no, Nick Bosa out of no, play. No, no, uh, Josh Allen. Coos, we have Josh Allen's profile from Mel. Ready? Or is he on the phone over there? I can't tell. Uh, he's just looking at is something Is he not even YouTube. paying attention to us? Oh, well, if we don't have that one, which one do we have again, Coos? I forget. Gary and Sweat? Uh, Gary. Okay. Uh, let's go with Sweat because we've talked about him a bit. Sweat is in play. It's just a matter of how much have the Jags red flagged him. Mel Kuyper's thoughts on Montez Sweat, who could be slipping in the draft. Hyper Juniors. Player profile.
Moves from Michigan State to Mississippi State and doesn't miss a beat. Production as a sack artist was outstanding, even though he got a little quiet if that start of the season, September and early October. But then he came on in those final two games as well. Had a brilliant senior bowl week getting off the edge and wreaking havoc. You go back to the Auburn game this year, three sacks. As I said, you talk about a guy who gets sack production, great takeoff at the snap, explosive, bends the edge. Not many 6'6", 260-pounders can run a 4-4-1. He did that as a run stopper and he's to secure that edge and really hold that edge. If he can do that, he can be a complete player. And he showed in some games he can do that. I think playing the run, though, on a consistent basis is the only concern you have with Montez Sweat. <laughs> doesn't it sound like Yannick Ngakwe? Yeah, exactly. I like mean, him. doesn't it? I mean, yeah. with a, obviously with some freaky stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. the freaky testing stuff. Uh, Montez Sweat out of Mississippi State. By the way, <laughs> for Miss Jenny there, we got to ring the bell again uh, for Mississippi State. But, uh, you know, Sweat is a guy we think might be slipping, but I, when you it's, hear it's Ben, when you hear when you hear stuff talking about the uh, uh, concerned about the run, all you can think of is like, oh, okay, maybe this yeah. is another Yannick Ngakwe, just maybe a little more freaky athlete. And t- yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is one of my favorite edge rushers of the whole draft, and. Let's talk about it again because it's the big story. It's the heart thing that's um that's kind of knocking him uh, down the draft boards a little bit. I remember back in 2017, a guy by the name of Maurice Hurst was out of Michigan, defensive tackle, was supposed to go the top 10. And he had a heart issue at the combine. And they saw it right away, and they're like, you can't do any of the drills. You can't do anything because this heart issue is a serious thing. So they held him out of the combine drills. Well, what happened? He ended up going in the fifth round, I think, to the Raiders, if I'm not mistaken. So the fact that – and maybe maybe teams did catch, you know, Sweat's heart thing at the combine, but the fact that they didn't take him out of the drills, the fact that there wasn't really a red flag, it shows that it's possibly not that big of a deal. And also, I mean, I think the Mississippi State, uh, you know, staff there uh, also reiterated that he's going to be okay. You know, I mean, it's I understand, like, if, if you're a part of that staff, that that's your guy. But still, you have to – I mean, I think there's a, there's a law where you have to, you know, disclose something if something's up with sweat. So – I'm not concerned about Sweat's heart at all. Uh, from a from a playing standpoint, Brent, you heard it. He's got the bend. He's got the speed. He's got the size. Um, a, a little questionable in the run game, but I always say, stop the run on the way to the quarterback. I mean, they can teach him to play the yeah, run, yeah. but you can't teach. What, what do you run a four 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 one? Yeah, can't teach that. Can't teach that. Yeah, can't again, teach if he's that. got bend, that's something that sticks out, right? I mean, exactly. you, that can make you an elite pass rusher. Exactly. Uh, I want to talk one more, uh, not whole segment, but one more bit, and then balling and falling as well about another pass rusher. I'm going to give you a scenario, and do the Jags take this guy if he's on the board? Coming up next on ESPN 690. All right. So coming up after the draft this week, this kind of like it used to be the Players Championship that kind of puts a bow on this segment of the year for for like a TV sports guy standpoint yep. in Jacksonville. Well, now it's the draft because the Players' Championship already took place in March. Mm-hmm. So now we, I mean, we're going to have OTAs. It's a, I'm talking like crazy, silly time. In May, June, and July, certainly, uh, relatively speaking to the rest of the year, slow down a bit. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to commit to a May and June, eight weeks getting in good shape, better okay. shape. Okay. Like what ha- this is what happens. Like I'm like, every year I gain a, probably seven, eight, nine, ten pounds, whatever well, it might be in football season. It's hard being on the road all that time, yeah. man. And so, you know, you feel terrible by like December. <laughs> uh, in 
you know, so whatever you might be. And then uh, by uh, maybe like uh, April and May, you lose a couple pounds. But then June and July, I really hit it a little harder. And Beach uh, season, baby. And, oh, yeah. I mean, nobody looks better in a Speedo. Uh, nice call. And I'm so sure that, Coos would say something different, but yeah, all right. Yeah. You smell good? <laughs> <laughs> that too. <laughs> By the way, uh, Chris Brown hasn't contacted us yet. Probably got a restraining order on him. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm blocked now. Yeah. <laughs> Probably contacting authorities as we speak. Uh, we might all be. But, uh, <laughs> so anyway, you go into football season, you feel pretty good right in training yeah. camp. Mm-hmm. But so I've got a – it gets harder and harder. The years get scrunched together more and more. The kids are more active. Now we're doing this radio thing yeah, a, a lot more a lot going investment on, time. Yeah. Uh, so I want to try to commit May and June. So I asked. I was like, all right, what, do you, I don't want this. Like, I've done Orange Theory. I can do my own stuff. Wait, did you ask time. Twitter you're saying? I asked Twitter. Okay. And holy cow, I didn't know there were this many gyms on the universe yeah, yeah. out there. <laughs> I mean, this, it's amazing how many health plans there are out yeah. there yeah. to get uh, – to, to lose a little weight or get in shape. And really yep. what I don't, I already have big enough muscles. I don't need to, any more muscles. Uh, I, really, I, I really don't. This is not generous. Me, it's a generous comment yeah, it for Brent Martin. This is not me trying to win an arm wrestling match. Yeah. All right. I yeah. don't care about that. I just want to get in a little better shape. Two months. Feel good going into football season. Okay. But I, I got a I ton was... of response. So thanks for the responses. But it just, what wowed me is, holy cow, like I've never heard of that, 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 that. Yeah. It's unbelievable how many gyms are Have you are come up there. with a decision? Because we, no, I haven't we even can, had a chance to digest right, I was going to say, we can get you in the ring a little bit, you know, know. move I, around I, a little bit, Brent. We can I, get you to I move hesitated. around a little bit. Kuz has got a thing. He chimed in. Yeah. yeah look, Kuz looks good. Kuz looks... Kuz yeah, looks but, a little studious today, doesn't he? Do you also, yeah, he does, he does look studious with those glasses, looking good, man. Do you remember what I said about my glasses, Looking though? like Arthur. When I have them on, it means I'm insanely hungover. Are you, you hungover today? Yes. Why are you hungover on a Tuesday, dude? I went out last night. Where? Do you have an why? Issue? Yeah, why not? Just go celebrate with some trouble friends. You got a friend got got engaged. Trouble at home. Is, is it trouble at home? No, man. Okay. <laughs> All right. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know, man. Going out on a Monday when there's wrestling to watch. Hey, is our TPC gear going away? When you <laughs> <laughs> when you got a friend that gets engaged, you gotta go out. <laughs> Monday night going out is kind of rare. Everyone gets engaged. It's not a big deal. A couple, I mean, of times. A couple, a couple yeah, of times, sometimes more than once. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Brent, no, don't don't do what Kuz is doing. Because do you do you want you want to eat solid foods on a Friday? Because <laughs> yeah. well, that's just that's uh, I don't even have to be doing that anymore. I'm just sticking that's, to the diet. That's, that's, that's done cult-like a good job. Behavior. He that's, has done a good job on it. That's cult like behavior coming from you. <laughs> I will do. I did. I got a. Who was it? Josh. Uh, Josh Evans. The the Josh other. Evans. I tweeted him he too. Tweeted back he tweeted him. back. He's ready to go. Yeah, he's ready to go where? He's ready to get me. I don't know. He just said we're ready. (laughs) For what? (laughs) For Brent. (laughs) Oh, okay. I got you. I I will say we did uh, years ago our entire sports department. um, It wasn't configured the way it is now, but we did a uh, Donovan Darius. Yeah. Put us through an eight-week challenge. Okay. And it was one of the best things we ever It was awesome. It was like kind of just started as like, all right, let's have some fun on TV. Yeah. And we'll see if we lose some weight and we'll make fools of ourselves, you know, working out. But it was awesome. Like, I was in really good shape at the end of it. See, I was going to say I could help you out, Brent, but it's probably not a good idea because – like, depending how much you take me off is, like, how hard I'll make the workout. Yeah. Like, oh, keep talking smack about Murray State. Let's go ahead and do two more miles. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, I don't know if I want that. You like, don't want that. Yeah, like, I don't mind working. And see, that's the thing. 
The one thing, when I went to Orange Theory, you're next to like 29 women who are running <laughs> faster than you. Okay, so I was going to say that's like, not a bad thing, but then when they're nope, next to you and they're but, performing and they're like, better than you are. Yeah, they're like kicking your ass, and Nothing it kind of motivates you. Yeah, yeah. Right? So yeah. you work a little harder. Yep. But like, and I'll go out, if I do something at home, like I'll do some jump ropes, planks, some push ups, okay, stuff like that. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. But it's still like, I'm lying to myself if I think it's like max effort. Yeah. You know, so I've, I'm just trying to find something where I'll be pushed a little harder for a couple of months. But again, moral of the story is there are a lot of places you can go and work out. <laughs> Dude, I mean, <laughs> in the Jacksonville area. I said, we've said it before. And thanks for the responses. Well, we talked about it before. Let's get you on steroids, man. Well, well, let's that's do this. It. HGH. I just think it's a nice father-son thing to do. <laughs> let's get Ty on them, too. <laughs> Gonna make it a family yeah. affair. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I like All it. All right. Hey, if I'm giving you a scenario. Mm-hmm. You're lean, you, you, you are probably a heavier lean offensive line or tight end in this draft for the Jags, right? Say, say it one more time. Uh, if you if you have your choice, yeah. offensive lineman, no, tight end. No, that's not even the conversation. Get offensive lineman out of here. No. Oh, you don't want to. You no. don't want anything to do with offensive. No, line. come on, it's offensive line. Okay, at seven. No. Okay, but you love tight end. Love and tight you end. like Fant. Yeah, but you're I do. okay with Hawkinson. I'm definitely okay with Hawkinson. Okay, so here's the scenario. Mm-hmm. Obviously, no tight ends are off the board. I'm gonna even say no offensive linemen are off the board. So cool. you got Jonah Williams, we'll Jawan Taylor, Hawkinson, Fant, and Josh Allen has oh, fallen to number seven. You named it. That was the one guy. Josh Allen falls to number seven. Here's what Mel Kuyper has to say about the edge rusher out of Kentucky. Mel Kuyper Jr.'s player profile. He has length, he has pass rush ability, and he took his game to a new level this year. Went from seven sacks to 17 sacks. Double teams didn't stop him. He did everything you want. He plays with an edge. He gives you everything he has on every snap. He can play with his hand on the ground or in space on his feet. Josh Allen, this year, you could make a very strong case there was not a better pass rusher coming off the edge than Josh Allen, especially after Nick Bosa went down with the injury. Oh, man. I, I got goosebumps. <laughs> you like this guy. Well, I'm not sure if it was the music, if it was Kuiper's voice. I'll tell you what. You need a good workout. We need to find out that bed music and yeah. just have that in your headphones the whole time. That is no, good. You know what we need to do? We need to hire, we need to hire Mel Kuiper and be like, all right, you're doing great on these reps. Three more. <laughs> yeah. Two more. That's what we need, hey, man. you know what? That would be good. We could probably send that to the voice folks at ESPN. Let's get it. But, uh, yes, Josh Allen, and in terms of pass rushers, is my favorite prospect. Really? And, and he's... he's in my opinion, he's going to be better than Bosa. And Bosa's legit. Bold. You know, very bold statement. I mean, how can you not like Josh Allen? The guy had 17 sacks last season. 17 in the SEC. Everyone's talking about all oh, the SEC, the defense, the talent. Okay. Well, Josh Allen had 17 sacks. That speaks for itself right there. That's all you got to say. Now you you mix in, you know, the, the, the physical traits. I mean, he's got the speed. He's, he's not Montez sweat fast, but he's got the speed. He's got the agility. And not to mention, teams fell in love with a guy at the Combine in terms of their meetings. He's a smart player. He's a high-character guy. No issues whatsoever. I mean, in my opinion, he's, he's the complete package. Yeah, and he, I mean, the number. see, one thing I do love is experience production. Mm-hmm. I don't know the other stuff. I, I don't pretend no, like yeah. I know it. I don't know the bend versus that bend and the, the get-off versus that get They all look good to me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Mean, for the most part. On tape, by the way, we usually see highlights. We don't see their bad plays unless yeah. you're really diving into the tape. And God bless all of you that do, and I appreciate it, and, and I like reading it, but I don't do that. Mm-hmm. So I love the fact he's played in over 50 college games, and you mentioned the 17-sack season. I mean, that's... To me, there's a lot of value there. There's a guy that knows how to get it. And I'm pretty sure 
I don't want to speak out of turn, but I'm pretty sure Yannick Ngakwe had put up good numbers, like a bunch of sacks, and his production was good yeah. at Maryland from a sack standpoint. I now forget uh, since it's been a few years, but I'm pretty confident. So it's a guy that knows how to get to the quarterback, get the quarterback down. I think there's something to be said for that. And on top of that, I mean, comparing him to Bosa, Bosa's probably the top pass rusher taken. That's, that's no kind of a given. I think that's hands down. The reason why I even like him better he than Bosa. He might even be the number one pick if they no, don't take exactly. Kyle Murray. The reason <laughs> I even like him better than Bosa says because Allen uh, for the Wildcats dropped back into coverage out of dime a lot this year too. So I feel like with Allen you can put him in a lot of spots. Whether you know obviously you want to put him on the line for a pass rush, you can put him at linebacker a little bit too. I think with Bosa, I mean you kind of know what you're getting there. You, That's what he you, is. You're gonna put him in, 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 in like the, the wide five, the wide nine, and let him go pass rush with Allen. The possibilities are endless. I don't. The one thing I don't like about Bosa, and again, this is human conversation because Jags aren't trading up to get that mm-hmm. guy, and he's not falling. Is this the whole that he quit on his team thing, Brent? No, no, okay. no. Nah, you know, I think a lot of that stuff is semantics. I think you got to be a little careful, even with who we're about to talk about next, to Ned Oliver. Yeah. Uh, I think that that sideline stuff. Yeah, you want to go. You know, uh, like Dave Caldwell said years ago, you can't not always going to have 53 angelic players. But he didn't realize last year you're going to have like 18 non-angelic players. <laughs> but um, uh, I, I think you that stuff is debatable. I understand. I think they should check all those things. But the thing about Bosa is he made a lot of pressure on this kid to live up to what his brother's doing. A lot of his brothers already say he's going to be better. I don't know how often that works out to be the case. And Josh Allen's coming from Kentucky. I mean, name. Top NFL players from Kentucky for a second. Jared Lorenzen. There we go, the hefty lefty. You can't think of too many. So. Ed Oliver's coach since seventh grade, or he's known him since seventh grade. We're going deep on Ed Oliver next on ESPN 690. Oh, we're going to get some Ashland University Eagles on the show in just a moment. Just a moment. <laughs> it's happening. Hold off, Murray State. <laughs> Hang in there, Flagler College guy over there, Coos. We got a little AU Eagle talk. Uh, on the way. Really what we have is Ed Oliver talk. Brett Martineau, along with Austin Lane, Coos is here 4 o'clock on a Tuesday on ESPN 690 in Jacksonville and a couple of days away from the NFL draft. Ed Oliver's interesting. This guy, I've seen him all over the place, really. From third to the New York Jets all the way down to like 14. I mean, it's pretty wide gap where Ed Oliver could go. Some based off his recent production as he finished his career in Houston. Some based off that sideline stuff that happened. But you can't deny the talent. So we're going to talk all about him. Let's hear from Mel Kuyper first as he profiles Ed Oliver, the defensive tackle out of Houston. Mel Kuyper Jr.'s player profile. Look at Ed Oliver, disruptive plays. It didn't always translate into sacks. That's the difference between Ed Oliver and Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald was a sack artist. Ed Oliver wasn't, but he gets into that backfield. He wreaks havoc. He's a tremendously gifted athlete. Can he maintain a 280-pound frame in the NFL? That will be questioned. That will be something he's got to answer. But when you look at a guy who can really run, you talk about 280 pounds, running 4-7. Talk about tremendous, the most athletic defensive tackle I've graded in a long time that's at oliver oh you gotta like that uh, from an athlete standpoint from an athlete Mel standpoint a lot of guys yeah D- do you know who ed oliver ran a faster shuttle than saquon barkley <laughs> wow what do you think about that i think that's pretty good athleticism i, I bet he ran a faster shuttle than this guy on the phone right <laughs> now former ashland university eagle who recently <laughs> was a defensive coordinator at houston coached ed oliver in high school and at the University of Houston. Let's welcome into the show A.J. Blum. What's up, man? 
Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Good, 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 good to be here. Hey, great to have you on the show. I mean, if not, we should just spend 10 minutes talking about the Ashland University Eagles in the good old days from 1995 to 1999. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we could go there, but I don't know if the skeletons really want to come out of the closet. They probably don't. I was actually thinking of this. See, Austin, here's the deal. I was I, I did radio, TV, played baseball, but also wrote for uh, sometimes for the newspaper mm-hmm. at school. So I did it all. But, see, the football team didn't like me much at times because we did grades for the football team. And so if you didn't give the football team a good grade, the the certain position groups, uh, they kind of looked at you a little cross-eyed. And I was actually in the same hall uh, with a lot of the football players. So I I think I gave you an A, AJ. I think I gave you an A. Hey, no complaints here. No complaints. (laughs) Hey, AJ, before we get started, man, because Brent's trying to pivot already, do you have any great Brent Martineau stories, something that I can use against him in the future? The guy is squeaky clean. I mean, if, if okay. he should run, he should run for some type of office. Okay. I mean, to be honest with you, he checks out. Fair enough. <laughs> there you go. Fifth floor, Kill Hefner. That's where it was all at right. uh, National right. University. All right, hey, you just heard Mel Kuyper talk about Ed Oliver. You might know Ed Oliver from a football standpoint, personality standpoint, more than most people. You've been around this kid since he was in seventh grade. You coached him in high school. You coached him in college. Give us your thoughts on why he most likely is going to be a top ten pick on Thursday night. Well, I mean, I think it's, I think there's a, a handful of different options you can look at it. You know, from his athleticism, um, from what he brings to the table as a competitor, but you know, having the luxury of coaching him in high school and then coaching him in college, you know, he was. He was used a little differently in, in college. You know, he was more of a zero nose guard over the center. Um, you know, and I, I had the opportunity when I coached him in high school, I called, you know, I called 49 games when he played for my defense. with three technique. You know, he played it all for me when we were in high school. So, you know, I think, I think, I honestly think the best is yet to come for him in regards to, you know, the game you know it was uh it was a different scheme and i think sometimes um it worked to his advantage and sometimes it didn't but at the same time when you're talking about the the scheme in which they have in the nfl and you know how you can play into players strengths and weaknesses i think you know he's the kind of guy that you know i think defensive coordinators would get really excited about because you know there's the opportunities are endless. When when Mel Kuyper just said he's he's most, the most athletic defensive tackle he's he's uh, scouted in the last few years. Two hundred eighty pounds, mm-hmm. he can flat out run. See, when you say it to me, and and I didn't play that position, I didn't play football, and so I don't know it like you guys know it. But we said like, okay, he's a defensive tackle. He's a big guy. I don't care if he can run fast like that. But what what else jumps out at? from an athletic standpoint that has a guy like Kuiper and other scouts just raving about this guy's athleticism? Well, I mean, he, he just, he fits in, in that free category. You know, he was a 14 year old freshman in high school and, you know, weighed 300 pounds. And, uh, you know, his junior year, he got, you know, he, he lost all his baby fat and he was running 61, 65 second one laps out on the track in our off season program. Um, you know, I mean, watched him dunk basketballs as a seventh grader. I watched him jump over a John Deere Gator. I mean, you know, he was one of those guys that, you know, he, he's he's basically fearless when it came to a, a physical challenge. 
Um, you know, and, and it's one of, you know, that's what I loved about coaching him was um, he, he thrived on the, uh, the unknown and he also thrived on people saying he couldn't do something physically. I do. And, uh, you know, it just, it just brought out the best of him. You, you know, you just watch the guy do something freaky and, you know, by the end of the time it was like, yeah, that's, that's it. I mean, it's, it's not like you're seeing anything new or different than what you've seen for what I've seen for, you know, the past seven, eight years. Hey there, coach Austin Lane. Um, you know, I, I grew up playing on the defensive side of the ball, playing the NFL for five years. As I watch Ed Oliver and I see his film, um, you know, scouts are saying that he was undersized playing that nose technique. I don't think that was the case at all. And if anything, playing that nose, I mean, you have to have fast feet. You have to have fast hands. Oliver has that in spades. My question is, did you guys ever really put him in a three technique in terms of pass rushing? Or was was the scheme? I mean, I guess, what was the scheme? Because one would think Oliver would be a dominant three technique. Why put him at nose? Well, it was just it, it, it basically suited the, you know, when you base out of a three down front, you base out of four eyes um, with the defensive ends. You, you know, you, you're basically occupying guys. And you, and when you play a zero technique nose guard like we did, uh, you know, you want that fast that fast guy that can beat the center across his face or mm-hmm. or you know stay backside and and not not let the guard overtake him. Um, you know, when you talk about a zero technique nose, it's you don't really see that in the NFL because the zero techniques in the NFL are two gap players. Yes. And it's a totally different scheme with the inside backers and how they fit. Um, you know, basically our scheme evolved to a four down look after the snap. Um, and it was just a matter of who the fourth rusher was, Okay, you know, and, and, and it just kind of, it was a different, it was a different deal in regards to what you saw from looks. Um, he did play, the two eye, he did play the three technique, um, you know, on various pass rush situations, different packages. Um, you know, he also played a lot of stuff where he might be zeroed up over the center and, you know, he ended up being a contained guy. Um, you know, there was a couple situations where he was a drop guy. You know, he has an unbelievable knack for batting down passes. Um, you know, he did it in high school and, you know, coach Orlando when, when, when that staff had him his freshman year, um, you know, Ed stunted into a lot of batted down passes. I think he had 12 or 13 PBUs as a freshman. Um, the numbers did go down a little, but I think it also, you know, when a true freshman comes on the scene the way Ed did, obviously all eyes are going to be on him when you try to, when you play him again. So, you know, I think it was a combination of things um, from a production standpoint. You know, there were numerous games this past year where, you know, you could pause the, pause the tape and he's got six hands on him, <laughs> um, you know, and, and that, that's quite a quite a feat. And, you know, at the same time, it should open up opportunities for other people. Absolutely. A.J. Blum, uh, who coached uh, Ed Oliver in high school and in college at the University of Houston with us on ESPN 690, Brent Morton, Austin Lane here. All right, let's get down to some of the, the, the dirty stuff, if you will. Uh, the, the whole sideline antic thing with Major Applewhite, uh, the production of last year, how much are you getting questioned about that? I assume scouts have even talked to you and tried to dig in on the, the personality, the person of Ed Oliver. Uh can you give us any insight on how much you've gotten calls from scouts and, and NFL folks and 
How about Ed Oliver and the character side? You've known him since uh, he was in seventh grade. Well, I mean, you know, here's the deal. You can, I did get, you know, I've, I have spoke to a lot of people about Ed and, you know, obviously every time the, the, the jacket gate comes up, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, it's frustrating for, for me to, to continuously answer the question because, you know, now you got a guy that's a 20 year old kid that's being judged on a, on, on one situation. And, uh, you know, nobody really looks into, you know, um, the, some of the intrinsic things that were going on, you know, the, the frustration of him not being able to play. Um, you know, there was, there was, you know, the pressure coming from, you know, making the decision to leave and then all eyes being on him and, you know, the production going down because he wasn't on the field. Um, you know, to answer your question, I was asked a lot about it, but, you know, at the, at the same time, it, I, I think it's a, it's a non-issue. You know, I've not, I've known Ed um, for a, a lot, a, a long, long time, and you know, he's not the character issues in regards to what people question about Ed are, are aren't there. You know, um, it's it's funny you you talk about defensive linemen and you you know being coaching defensive linemen for 16 years of my life. Shoot, I'm looking at Austin's Twitter thing, and he's a professional face puncher. <laughs> you know, I mean, let's let's be real. I mean, how many defensive linemen do you know that are normal? I mean, there's one, you know, I mean let's, let's be honest. Hey, hey, I mean, not this guy. I, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're sitting across from one, and I mean, you know, I, like I said, you coach him for 17 years, and and uh, those are the dogs, man. You know, and 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 all of them have a different angle. And people talk about character. What's his character like? At the end of the day, a D lineman is a character. I mean, he's a comic book character. He's a he's a cartoon character. I mean, let's be real. The guys, those are the most. You know, you look at Warren Sapp. You look at John Randall. You look at the greats. I mean, they weren't straight arrow guys. Yes sir, no sir. I mean, they were very respectful. But at the same time, you know, how many defensive linemen in the NFL are at the highest level? don't have a personality that is that isn't put out there it's a great point you know, not very many and and i think it's one of those things where it was a perfect storm you know it happened on a thursday night espn was there you know we had a we were playing really well and you know the, the game was it wasn't out of reach but you know we had done a really good job and it was time for everyone to focus their attention on something else yeah yeah and uh you know and i think it kind of it kind of took over and then you know it was a uh, and it went from there, but you know, from a standpoint of Ed Oliver and his character, I mean, you know, you can only judge somebody by how they are around children. I'm a firm believer in that, and you know, to see the relationship that he has with my nine-year-old daughter, and you know, to to see how he's been as she's grown up, you know, he's grown up with her, and you know, when you see Ed around kids, I mean, he's in his element. I mean, he he's one of them, and you know, it's just. It just goes back to what's genuine in his his heart, and uh, you know he's he's a no nonsense guy. You know he doesn't like dealing with the with all the, the outside influence, and uh, you know I think it's one thing that kind of was really blown in blown out of proportion.
Yeah, A.J. Blum with us uh, here on ESPN 690. Uh, Coach Ed Oliver, who's expected to be a top-ten pick, and maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars even interested in Ed Oliver, although a lot of people want the Jags to go on the offensive side. Keep an eye on Ed Oliver uh, Thursday night. With that seventh pick for the Jaguars, he could be right there in the mix, and the Jaguars would really have to think about it. When you sit on your porch some 30 years from now, and whether Ed Oliver was unbelievable in the NFL or not, and hopefully he is, what's the story you tell uh, about Ed Oliver, about the not just your relationship with him, but is there one that you always go to and be like, man, this guy, this guy was special? Well, I mean, the – you know, there's there's two there's two that really stick out in my mind that I think I'll tell for the rest of my life. You know, the the first one he was a you know he was a 14 year old freshman and uh, he was in the weight room over Christmas break and uh, we had a player that was home from the University of Texas that was working out. He was also a defensive lineman. He was an Under Armour All American and um, you know I told Eddie I told Ed to go up and introduce himself and. At first, Ed didn't want to introduce himself, and then he finally did, and he he went over and he introduced himself. He said, oh, "I'm Ed Oliver. I'm the guy that's going to make everybody forget about you." <laughs> that's, how, that's how he introduced himself to an 18 year old true freshman that had just you know played at, at the University of Texas that year. Um, you know, he's he one of the guys. You know, I've I've been blessed with a lot of talent um, coaching at the high school level and. It was always guys would come in and they wanted to be the next one. They wanted to be the next Under Armour All-American. And Ed's, Ed's whole thing, even from when he stepped on campus, was, you know, he's like, Coach Blum, I'm going to be the guy that makes you forget about all the others. He's like, I'm going to be the best one you've ever coached. And, you know, he's, and he's he's held true to that so far. Um, I think the second one that sticks out in my mind is, you know, his senior year um, when he was done playing for us at Westfield. You know, we had a max day in the spring, and we had our four areas uh, set up for lifting. We had the squat, the bench, the incline, and the power clean. And, you know, Ed came in. He warmed up. He watched everybody lift. They were on the maxes, and the guys were on the heaviest lifts in the program. And once all the bars were set on all four lifts, Ed walked around, and he did a lift at each bar. He did the heaviest squat that was on the bar. He did the heaviest bench. He did the heaviest incline. And he did the heaviest power clean, and then he looked at me, and he waved, and he walked out. <laughs> and I kind of thought, I'm like, wow, that's like the alpha dog just walking around, you know, lifting his leg on all on everything else, you know, at the dog park, just showing everybody who's boss. I thought that was that was it was unique, but it was also it summed that up, you know, in regards to you know where his where his mentality is, and and, and you know what what he does as a competitor. Coach, I have to agree with you, man. We we're talking about getting asked the questions about the, the whole jacket incident. I mean, we have these so-called experts saying, well, is there character issues or not? And hey, settle down. And I'm one of those so-called well, experts. I, well, I'm just saying, like, but I think Coach hit on it perfectly <laughs> where he said, I mean, defensive linemen, they're they're kind of a different breed. They're a different character. They really are but if I, you start thinking about it. No, them, they, you know? they really are. I but, mean, not just you. But, but I'm going to say that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'm going to say this. Especially in that defensive line room, loyalty and camaraderie are two big things, especially at the next level. And um, can you just talk about Ed's loyalty a little bit? Because this is a guy coming out of high school, five-star recruit, could have played anywhere you know, in the nation and chose Houston from what I've read because of his brother and some of his old high school coaches. I mean, can you just kind of touch on that a little them. bit? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Can you just kind of touch on his loyalty well, and just the type of person yeah, he is I mean, in that he's, aspect? He's a... 
he, I tell you, he's, you know, it's family first with him. Um, you know, he is, you know, I, I was on a, an interview and he, like I said in the interview, he's loyal to the soil. I mean, he, uh, it, it's, it's amazing to see, you know, what he does and, and the, the power he has in a room. Um, you know, you would take things for granted, you know, just as a D-line coach in college, you, you get to hang out a little less with your players um, than you want. But, you know, I mean, every function, you know, he's he's heading it up. You know, he wants – he's meeting he's meeting guys. He's picking up guys, guys that all have rides. He's bringing them to the D-line dinner. You know, I mean, they all uh, come to my daughter's birthday party. I mean, the whole D-line comes, and he's – you know, he's, he's running the whole show. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's one of those guys where, you know, when it's time to work, it's time to work. And, you know, when it's time to play, he's going to play. I mean, that, that's just who he is, and that's, that's the type of kid he is. So, um, but from a loyalty standpoint, a team standpoint, you know, I mean, the thing I want, I, I, he just wants to get in a, in a franchise and, and be home. You know, that's yeah. what he's ready for. That's what I'm ready for here. I'm ready for him to be there, too. He wants to get with his teammates. He wants to, you know, he wants to build that camaraderie because that's what he's lived with his whole life. Speaking of playing around, uh, Coach, I saw him stand on top of a horse on Instagram. <laughs> Is that how you guys get down in Houston? And can you do that as well? <laughs> uh, no, I can't do that, nor will I ever try doing that. Um, there, like I said, there's a lot of things that that joker does that you just shake your head at. Um, I was you impressed. Know, that being yeah, he's a uh, – he does some pretty freakish things, you know, and uh, that that was one of them. So, <laughs> uh, as far as how, how how they get down down here, they yeah, it's everything. There's horses, four wheelers. It's all. It's, there's always something. I like it. <laughs> uh, hey, we don't like the Texans around here. Sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, one last thing for you, and then I'll let you go. And I really appreciate you joining us. AJ Blum coached uh, at Oliver in high school and at the University of Houston. And I know AJ uh, from the days at Ashland University uh, back in the late '90s. He played football for the Eagles as well, and now has been uh, enjoying a coaching career. But. Uh, on Ed Oliver's front, I keep hearing, we see Aaron Donald, we see John Randall. See, to me, I don't like the comparisons, especially to Donald. Donald's so freaky. I think that everybody, if you get that stuck in your head, it's always dangerous anyway. I like seeing comparisons in terms of style, but I don't like the comparisons to a guy like Donald who is so freakish. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. How do you feel about those kind of comparisons? And lastly, uh, where do you see him ending up on Thursday night? Oh, well, as far as comparisons, I mean, you know, it's hard being around the kid for so long, as long as I have been. It's kind of like, you know, the, I think they broke the mold after they made him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was, you know, coming up in the late 90s, I mean, John Randall was my guy. You know, that was, I mean, we watched Ed. Ed was part of it. He watched John Randall practice video. There's an old DVD going around with John Randall working on the, the 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 bags, you know, when he was with the Minnesota Vikings, and it's it's like a it's like a cult following the people that own that video, and to see how he works, I mean, you know, from a personality standpoint, and and you know, just from an explosive, uh, you know, nonstop motor, you know, I, I just think I think he's an he's a John Randall guy. I mean, he he is. You know, he, 
that's him. You know, I, that's I, that's all I've seen his whole career. That's what we watched. It was, you know, watching him. Like I said, studying him as a player. Um, you know, I think it's hard to hard not to compare those two. You know, as for Aaron, Aaron Donald, I mean, you know, you're talking about a guy that benched 550 pounds in college. You know, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's a, it's the same type of play. You know, the biggest difference between Aaron Donald and Ed Oliver is, um, you know, what what Aaron can do with with his hands and his separation after contact. Um, you know, Ed's not even close to that yet. You know, Ed Ed is is so so athletic that his feet usually defeat blocks before his upper body defeats blocks, and his ball get off. Um, you know, Aaron Aaron was so strong upper body wise that he was doing it. You know, in in college, you know, at a different at a different pace and also in a different scheme. So, you know, I, I think it's hard to compare those guys. Um, you know, I, I know Ed Ed's tired of it. You know, he wants to. <laughs> Make a name for himself and be his, his own player, but that's that's this league. You know, they they got to get a fair comp on everybody, and you know, and you compare them to the right guy, and all of a sudden now everybody's buying the brand. So, exactly. You know, it's it's one of those. It's 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 kind of a deal where, you know, I, I'm I'm ready for him to get where he needs to go so he can be his own person. You know, um, as far as where he goes, um, you know, I, I just. I really don't care. You know, I just want to see him happy. I want to see him in an environment um, that's going to, you know, utilize his abilities. Um, that's going to, that's going to take care of him, you know, and I think there's a lot of, a lot of uh, franchises out there that'll do that. Um, you know, it, it's going to be awesome to watch just because of the relationship we've had for so long, but you know, this is another level. This is, he's moving on and, you know, I think I think like I said before, I think his best football is ahead of him, which is scary to say because of some of the things he's already done. Yeah, he's been darn good. Uh, hey, that's why you get into coaching, man, to see uh, players like this go to the next level, and 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 you tell stories about a guy like Ed Oliver for the next uh, decade. So I think it's pretty cool for you too. Um, thanks for joining us. Great in-depth stuff on uh, on Ed Oliver because, hey, I do think he's in play for the Jags at number seven. I really do. So we'll see where he ends up on Thursday night. In fact, I'll talk to Ed Oliver tomorrow when I'm in Nashville, so I'll get all the dirt on you, AJ, from well, here's the deal. I'll be in Nashville myself, so I will see you tomorrow myself. I didn't oh, even know that. Go. How about that? We got a reunion tomorrow. <laughs> and, and for the rest of everybody else, what happened in Ashland, Ohio, in the late 90s stays in Ashland, Ohio. <laughs> For my good, please, for my good. <laughs> AJ Blum, thanks for joining us, man. I guess I'll see you tomorrow. Will do. All Have right, a good man. one. Thanks. Bye-bye. Right. AJ Blum, uh, who I went to college with, uh, and you know what? I ran into him at the Combine. Oh, in Indianapolis, cool. and he you know he's been in the coaching circles, and obviously knows that Oliver really well. So I thought it was pretty cool to to get that much of an in depth look. I do think uh, to me Oliver, in my mind, and I might be wrong here, is a dark horse to end up with the Jags mm-hmm. because the way I've looked at them on the defensive line front is I feel like they need to get an edge rusher if they're going to go that way at number seven. I don't feel like they need to get an inside guy. Now that's not to say they can't use one. I just think if you're spending the number seven pick. I think you're doing it on an edge rusher, not necessarily an inside guy. What are you? What are your feelings on that? Yeah, I mean, I agree, but and I probably should ask Coach that question. But I wonder if Oliver could play a little five technique because when Tyson Alalu came here, I mean, he was primarily a three technique at Cal, 
And um, he had the footwork, he had the athleticism to actually play that five technique in pass rushing situations. And I feel like, I mean, I just said Ed Oliver ran a better shuttle than Saquon Barkley, so it tells me he's got some pretty That's good freaky. hips. He's got some pretty good footwork. I wonder if you got Oliver here, if you could somehow put him at that five technique as well, uh, maybe move like Clayus Campbell inside for the. I mean, because let's be honest, in terms of pass rushing packages, you can do a bunch of things. Absolutely. You know, so you can you, use you can, a guy's. You can put him at the nose technique. You can move him at three. Yeah. And maybe even the five so if that's the case then he's definitely an intriguing prospect if they do go with an ed oliver right mm-hmm. if, or somebody on the interior doesn't this say they don't have a lot of faith in Taven bryant and that's why i pumped the brakes on ed oliver this whole time because basically as a as a gm and as a coaching staff you're saying we might have made a mistake you know two years ago now in the nfl draft taking Taven bryant and I've said it before, and I'll say it again on the show. You make your most strides from your first year, from rookie year, to your second year. So if they're bringing Ed Oliver, that shows that they've pretty much given up on Taven Bryan already, which I don't think is fair in his case because they had him playing out of position. See, like I said, Tyson could play the five technique. It was apparent that Taven Bryan, right off the get-go, could not play that five technique. So you played the kid out of position for most of the year, and then you're going to bring in another guy, and then Ed Oliver, to take his spot because you played Taven Bryan out of position and just, it doesn't make much sense to me. It's not good business. I think Taven Bryan at least deserves one more year to see what he's got. Yeah, and by he's the way, he's a first round pick. When they moved to when they moved Malik Jackson more to the bench and took away some of his reps, either for his play or because Taven Bryan needed some reps, Taven Bryan did okay things in the last few weeks of the season. I mean, yeah. he wasn't like, oh my gosh, I can't wait until 2019. But he did some okay things, and at least he showed up a little bit more so than we ever saw him in the first t- three months of the year. It's just the issue now, especially the way the NFL is. I mean, you need a, a three technique that can get you sacks, and only David Brown only had one sack this past year, yeah. and, and that's the biggest thing. And that's what people and that's what fans look at. They say, "Well, David Brown had one sack; he's a bust." So if he if he wants to be in good graces with the fans next year, you got to up those numbers a little bit. Yeah, you got to get numbers. And and also, I did ask Dave Caldwell and Tom Coughlin this yesterday. I said you got to be careful to label people after year one, don't you? Either yeah. Hall of Famers or busts. And I think we do have to be a little cautious of that with Taven Bryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't know yet on Taven Bryan. Hey, we told you we were going to spend some time on the defensive line today. We're doing it. That we did. Coming up next, we got Ballin' and Fallen. Plus, Ballin' and Fallen draft picks for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's on the way on ESPN 690. Welcome back here on a Tuesday edition of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martin along with Austin Lane, Justin Kuzart, and we are in draft mode. Draft mode initiated. All right, give us a story. About what? You. What do you mean? This t- You're 48 hours away from the draft. <laughs> okay. Like, wh- what and am I doing? You're at 2010. Okay. You made all your visits. Yeah. You've done the combine. Yep. Or you did, did you do the, yeah. You did the combine. Yeah. Pro day combine. where you the had to get day. stuff yourself. That was a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've you done it all. <laughs> the hay is in the barn. Yeah. For Austin Lane in 2010. Do, do you want to know what I was doing two days before the draft? Is that what you're asking I'm right now? I'm not so sure. Was this in Eau Claire, Wisconsin? No, no, no. This, <laughs> no, That was two weeks. Break them on now. Get your timetables right. No. So the way it was set up was I... Uh, you know, I, I went to the combine. I was training in Pensacola and then went back to Murray State because I still had my apartment there. I, I wasn't officially a student anymore, but I still had my apartment. So I went back to Murray State and I was uh, getting ready to move everything out of my apartment back to Wisconsin to wait for the 
uh, to the for the draft, and I think if I remember correctly, two days before. So it might have been the first or second year where they made it instead of being a, like a two day event, it's like a three day event, okay. right? So that sounds about right. Yeah. So the first day would have been obviously on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So on that Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it was right before I was leaving Murray State, and we ended up throwing a giant apartment party, if you will, um, kind of like a going away party for me. So like all my friends from Murray State that were still in school came by, and uh, we had a giant shindig, <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> we might have uh, reached the max capacity of the floor, and we might have caved in the floor a little bit on the second floor. But uh, we, cannot, code. we cannot confirm or deny those rumors. And uh, campus Gosh, suites. I mean, how much trouble did you get never, in the two weeks before the draft, yeah, man? It is what it is. But uh, uh, campus suites never reached out up. to me. So, yeah, there might be a little caving in the floor, but it was a good time, and nobody got in trouble that day. So it was okay. All right. Very good. Yeah. Uh, more stories to come tomorrow and Thursday. Oh, yeah. Just wait for that draft, the draft day process. Oh, the draft day story is one for the ages, man. A little spoiler <laughs> Don't alert let for me you forget people. about that on okay. Thursday, okay? Okay. I mean, I might be <laughs> – I might have glasses on like coos after hanging out in Nashville. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Balling and falling time. What you got? Balling. Uh – Listen, NHL, I'm still on it. I understand the Icemen are out now, unfortunately, but congrats. And I always say stick taps, which is it's a little hockey term, but yeah. stick taps to the Jacksonville Icemen on a really great season. It was cool how the whole city came together. Uh, Brent, you look great shaving again, man. Thank you very Welcome much. back. But uh, balling, NHL playoffs, there's two game sevens tonight. <laughs> what Coos what, what, what's Coos doing? just yawning in there. Coos just I mean, ruining so segments. Out of it. What did bus. you have to drink last night, dude? I was, I'm, I'm, hey. It's too late to go back. Hey, what? <laughs> Where did you go again? The, the beach bars? Yeah. Okay. Was it a pretty good crowd? What's or? your drink of choice yesterday when you come in wearing glasses and look like this at 5 o'clock almost the next day? Looks like you're for Capri Sun right can, now. Nope. Can confirm I had some Vita de Louis. You did? Yeah. There yeah. you go. But you, that's not it. No, because, you know, you mix it up. I was doing that. There was some whiskey. But uh, So beer. you were going hard liquor <laughs> yeah. more than beer. Yeah, no, I switched to beer thinking, oh, I should slow down so I can be good tomorrow, and it was too late. Uh, thanks for thinking about it. <laughs> it was 2 in the morning. Yeah. Thanks for I thinking about it. I switched to beer now. Yeah. <laughs> really, really, Last yeah. call. All right, well, I guess I'll get a beer. Mind. My goodness. I mean, I right. just, I'm ready for this on like a like a Friday. Where, weren't you Not getting, on a Tuesday. Well, didn't he threaten to leave the show anyways? Isn't he going to Atlanta or something? <laughs> no, or, it was or uh, the Lakers, the oh, Lakers, Lakers are did. looking for a social media manager. But, uh, by be honest, right. did you apply? No, no. Uh, that, that's a busy job. I'm sure it is, oh, especially <laughs> yeah. right now. Oh, man. Right. All right, go well, ahead. Sorry. Okay. Well, Kuz, I mean, if you ever decide to go to L.A. and become that job, man, we'll throw a big party. We'll throw a going away party for you. You won't be invited, but we'll be celebrating you actually leaving. <laughs> oh, okay. So that'll be more of a me and Brent thing. But and we'll uh, break the floor. Getting yeah. back to my ball now that we're like five minutes in the segment, uh, I'm, I'm going to the Stanley Cup fi- or the Stanley Cup finals. I'm going to the Stanley Cup playoffs. we got two teams, Brent. Game sevens tonight. Two game sevens. Let's do it. we got the Maple Leafs taking on the Bruins. Maple Leafs have uh, gone to three Game 7s in their career against the Boston Bruins. Guess how it worked out for them? Not too good. They're playing in Boston tonight, and then the Leafs are... I'm sorry, and then it's going to be the Sharks and the Golden Knights at San Jose as well. That's a good one for Two Vegas. Two Game 7s, man. It's fun. Uh, Game 7 yeah. in hockey, maybe nothing better. Nothing better. In sports. I, yep. I'm going to go give you a shout-out for the Bucks. I know it's a day late. What is this? We're talking about Wisconsin sports again? Yeah, I'm going to do it. It's amateur hour? Okay, what do you hey, got? listen, man. Yeah, 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 hey, listen, 41 points for Giannis. Pretty good. They get the sweep. MVP They're moving numbers, on. if you will. Sweeps to sweep. 
Celtics and Bucks coming up next. We might have to lay a little something on the line. Oh, I forgot about that. You're a Celtics yeah, guy. Well, listen, let's loosely, yeah. okay? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to claim and see fan guy here that all of a sudden because Celtics, I'm not a huge Celtics guy. Yeah. And by the way, Ty is back on your side. See, Ty's not a big Kyrie Irving fan because he left LeBron. <laughs> okay. See, Ty doesn't like that disloyalty. Yep. And so now he he can't wait until the Bucks crush the Celtics. Okay, Ty. So he's rooting with you. I, pr- I appreciate that, man. Still a little bitter about the Murray State comments he had for me yeah. uh, at the NCAA tournament game. So we'll see what happens. He from says that. it how it is. What's fallen? Fallen's quick. It's the NBA playoffs. I, I mentioned the NHL playoffs have been pretty satisfying so far. Two uh, one seeds going out. NBA playoffs, I mean, so far in the first round, nothing really crazy. Uh, the, you know, the Magic kind of set the tempo a little bit, beating the Raptors. I mean, I guess the only intriguing series left is the this is the Spurs versus the yeah. uh, the Nuggets. But besides that, no big surprises. Kind of, uh, it's been going how we think it's been going. So, all right. I'm banking on Spurs Nuggets hitting Game Seven, though. I told you. Yeah. Oh, I'm right. going to Colorado on Saturday, so if there is a yeah. Game Seven, you know. That's, I'll be able to go. that's all Coos needs is more drinking and other uh, things to do in Colorado. Yeah. Hiking. Hiking. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that what you call yeah. it? Hiking? Lots of hiking. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, <laughs> can I just say one thing before we bring you go? Oh, boy. Some guy was on Twitter saying that, how many edibles do I do a day? Yeah. Because I'm always happy. That's, yeah. Hey, it's dude, a compliment. It's just, it's called smiling. It's called being in a good mood. I'm not doing <laughs> hey, edibles. He Come was. He, he did say, I'm not trying to throw shade. Oh, no. He I understand that. I it. mean, to me, it was a compliment was for a sure. Compliment. But no, I'm not doing edibles in the studio. <laughs> so let's put those. Hey, trust me. If, if I'm doing edibles with my addictive personality, I take everything to the limit. You're, you're going to know I'm doing edibles. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm going to come in here half asleep. Maybe Kush should do it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, all right. My fallen uh, is Bryce Harper. He gets thrown out of the game. Mm-hmm. I think I love the old protect the team. I think this stuff's going a little crazy too now. Manager protects the player. Player protects the team. I think this was one of those deals. Harper didn't even really involve Harper. Harper. He comes out of the dugout, gets thrown out. The manager's already out there arguing. He shoves and pushes a little bit. He gets ejected. And it's, I think this was more like, hey, I got your back, Phyllis. It just was ill-timed. It was like too contrived for me. Didn't make sense. Here's Jake Arietta, who also agrees, I guess, with me. Um, he's a Phillies teammate of Harper and says, hey, we need you at bat, dude. Don't get ejected. We need him in right field. I don't care how bad the umpire is. He wasn't great for either side. I'm out there trying to make pitches. He misses some calls. So what? We need him out there. We were flat from, from start to finish. Two-hour delay. It doesn't matter. We have to be ready to play. We weren't. And it showed. I'm out there doing everything I can to win a game. I need my guys behind me. And they weren't. That's interesting. A little huh. bit uh, calling out the $330 million guy. That's a bit of a message from a veteran pitcher in Arietta. So, uh, anyway, I, listen, not a big deal, but I do think it's a trend now all of a sudden. I don't mind the, the benches clearing. I don't mind throwing at a guy if, if you think someone was in the wrong. The whole bat flip stuff. You know, everybody who wants to debate this thing, it's great for baseball because people are talking about it. I do think the whole manager sticking up for player just because he's a new manager saying, hey, I got your back, guys, and the new player coming in saying, I got your back guys listen we get it all right you're a teammate i i think that's more overblown than all these benches clearing and, and other stuff relax a little harper just go hit a home run and your teammates will like you better simple as that i like it all right when we come back we go to nashville tennessee where i'll be tomorrow and thursday at the nfl draft steve layman joins us 
not only to talk about what's happening in Music City with the draft, but also what will the Titans do in the first round on Thursday night? It's next on ESPN 690. Hey, I have one more question for you. How would you spend $200,000? Think about that. I will. Okay. For the next two minutes. Yep. <laughs> All right, what has the magic whiteboard said? Yeah, so I got my uh, Easter candy draft order here real quick. Um, if How deep do you go in the draft on Easter candy? Eight picks. Eight picks. Eight picks. <laughs> but I can probably go for 25. Uh, one, Reese's Eggs. Two, Not Peeps. Three, Not Peeps. Four, Not Peeps. Five, coming in with Not Peeps. <laughs> Six, we have Not Peeps. Seven is not peeps, and eight, a little bit of a dark horse, but it's up there in order, not peeps. I hate peeps. Can't stand (laughs) peeps. You know what's funny is I was just tweeting out our next segment, and I said, we're going to Nashville for draft preps and to talk Titans football with Steve Lehman. And uh, I actually read back the tweet, and it said, Draft peeps. So I think oh, you put something in my mind. Nice. Either that or I just uh, well, <laughs> spelling error. Brent, so <laughs> before I have these two, $200,000, what would you buy? You know, if um, if you had $200,000, what would you purchase? I would do, I can, do I have to do one thing with $200,000? This, this is one thing that you do with $200,000. I think I would buy, uh, I, I like the idea. I'm kind of in on the idea of buying a Tesla. Okay. Now, I'm not doing it, but I'm just saying if you gave me $200,000, I'm like, I'm going to go get a souped-up Tesla and see if it's really as good as everybody talks about. Uh, How about paying the USC admission office to get your son into school? Because that's exactly what Toby Toby McFarlane just got caught doing. Paid $200,000 just to get his son into USC. That is the flex of the day, by the way. Wow. How about that? Two hundred just, just give your kid two hundred thousand dollars. That's and what just I tell say. Have fun. I would just give him two hundred thousand dollars and go put it. Go buy a house, and it's you're better off instead of going. You're better off getting two hundred thousand dollars for a house than you probably are going to get a college education. And it's USC. <laughs> like well, this is Stanford. Well, we're not talking Ivy League. It's USC. No offense to the Trojans out there, but let's be serious here. Two hundred thousand dollars just to get your name in the hat. And by the way, you probably did just defend the Trojans. Who? Who, who's Matt, Matt Leinhart's listening, or who are we talking Tony about? Tony Baselli might be. Ooh, Tony, sorry <laughs> about that, man. But <laughs> Maybe R.J. Soward talking about Jags' uh, best draft picks and worst. Yeah. <laughs> Just did it in about 30 seconds. All right. Uh, let's welcome in Steve Lehman from Nashville, Tennessee. He is one of our peeps, and he's on the scene in Nashville where the draft is this week. I'll be there tomorrow and Thursday uh, see what the Jags do. We also want to talk about what the Titans do. And he doesn't have a ton of time because he's busy and crazy. The Predators lost yesterday. What's up, man? <laughs> How you guys doing? I look forward to seeing you up here, and I can tell you two things. One, we have no peeps because Nashville is a whole, including myself, very against peeps <laughs> okay. as Easter candy. And two, if I had $200,000, I'm buying a share of one of the bars on Broadway this week around the draft because I saw their stack of beer that they're expecting to go through and that will more than make my money back by wow. the end of the weekend. Wow, I bet. What I mean the whole place is rocking, right? It's going to be it's a great place for the draft. And I know Jacksonville, I know you don't like the Titans, I get it. But Nashville's a pretty awesome city and it's a great place for the draft. I think it's a perfect fit. Outside of Tootsies, which always is rocking and rolling and jamming people in there, will there be a go to spot or is it just the entire strip? 
I think being anywhere you can get right on Broadway is going to be a go-to spot for this one. I mean, the primo spots, which I think are pretty much VIP exclusive, will be the ones that are down east of 2nd Avenue towards the river. But again, I think those have pretty much all been rented out. So if you're just coming and you're trying to be a typical fan, part of the whole experience, you're probably trying to get as close as you can to 2nd Avenue and one of those bars, which... I guess the Kid Rock's new place would be in that. Jason Aldean, Luke Bryan, Old Red, Blake Shelton's bar. Those places are probably going to be the best places for the typical fan. If you can get there early enough, that'll be close enough to see the stage, but also be able to have some room. And then further on, back you go. I think you're still going to be a part of it because there's actually an NFL Network stage at Tootsie's, so even though it's a ways away from the draft stage, I think you'll still feel very much like a part of the entire event. I think it's going to be five blocks worth of people, which there's five blocks worth of bars. So hopefully there's enough room to belly up to a bar and get a drink at some point. I hear you, Steve. That sounds absolutely awesome, and I can't wait to see it on Twitter and Instagram because I'm not going. Brent didn't invite me, so hopefully he has fun for the both of us. <laughs> yeah, listen, I'm pro- sorry, Austin. Probation. No, it's all good, man, but man, by all means, just keep telling how awesome Nashville's going to be this weekend because I can't <laughs> stop hearing about it. Thank you, man. Hey, Steve Lehman from News Channel 5 in Nashville uh, with us here on the show. Hey, uh, how, nobody else probably cares about this, but is it a pain in the butt to work for you this week, or do you just camp out downtown or what? You know what? Honestly, I'm a little relieved today because the Predators did lose last night. Yeah. So I lost having a Game 7 hockey tomorrow night and possibly a second-round Game 1 on Friday night. I was trying to think – get my sports specials right between hockey and, <laughs> and football through all this. So I've, my workload has actually been lessened in the last 24 hours, which is kind of a relief. But, yeah, I mean, it's insane. I happen to live a block from Broadway, too, oh, wow. uh, which is on the other side of downtown of where our station is. And so even just simple things like getting to work, which used to take me seven minutes over the past two, two and a half weeks, has taken more like 20 minutes. So, you know, you just figure getting around town, it's about triple whatever it normally is if you're downtown in these parts. So, yeah, I was late to a meeting this afternoon because I couldn't get out of a story quick enough downtown in the traffic. <laughs> so it definitely has added to some headaches of actually just being here and doing the day-to-day grind. But I think it's going to be a pretty fun event, and certainly once in a lifetime. I mean, for the city of Nashville, we've talked about it this week. This is, I think, the biggest event the city has ever hosted. Wow. You know, we had the Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago. Obviously, the Titans played and won Super Bowl, but that wasn't here. Most of that playoff run wasn't here. And we've had some huge New Year's Eve festivals. We have a massive Fourth of July celebration. But in terms of a three-day event, this is probably the biggest thing that's ever come to Nashville. And oh, by the way, our annual marathon, which is about 35,000 runners, that's Saturday morning. So just throw that on top of what we <laughs> already crazy. have going on. With, wow. uh, That's crazy. Steve Lehman with us uh, live from Nashville. And by the way, I'm such a bad radio host that we only have about another 30 seconds or so before we got to hit the top of the hour. And I know you've got a ton okay. of stuff to do. So just real quick, what are the Titans looking for in the draft? So I think they need an edge rusher. I really like Brian Burns from Florida State, by the way. I yeah. think they need an inside defensive line presence to go along with Jarrell Casey. They need some help on the interior of the offensive line. I'd like to see another wide receiver presence and probably a tight end at some point as well. They've got six picks starting with number 19 in the first round. 
I think those are their five most pressing needs. If I had to pick one in round one, I'd go edge rusher because they really need to be able to generate that pass rush. Brian Arakpo retired and Derek Morgan's gone. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be what a heck of a get if they got Burns at 19. I don't know if he slips that far. Hey, man, thanks for jumping in. I know you're crazy busy, so we appreciate it. I'll see you tomorrow and Thursday in Nashville. Yeah, I'll, safe travel, I'll guys. I'll see you around, Steve. Sometime. Right <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be back with more to come. An hour left as we continue to count down to the draft on ESPN 690. Dow Jones is up. Just to let you know. Hey, can we call one more person in Nashville and ask like how crazy it's going to be this weekend there? Because I'd love to hear it again. Just, just keep playing it. See, this is what you don't understand. Uh, my wife doesn't understand this either. A lot of people. My sister called today. She's like, oh, that's awesome. You go to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Like, people, we work in Nashville. This mm-hmm. isn't like going out and playing. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's true. Well, I do. I was, I, mean. I, I was at the Super Bowl, Brent. <laughs> people have seen us play darts at 1230. <laughs> yeah, we did go out that night. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did go out that night. We were there for eight days. That's though. a good point. It was a I long... mean, this is like a 48-hour stop. It was a fortnight, if you will. <laughs> However long a fortnight, fortnight is. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's right. That was that one day. And by the way, we would not have gone and played darts if you were there, if you weren't there. I was very adamant about playing yes, darts. Wasn't that I? was all you. But hey, we ended up having fun, so don't say it was a bad idea. <laughs> no, it was a great idea. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you one. Well, I'm going to give you two recommendations, yeah. Uh, one for food. Hattie B's hot chicken. You ever had Hattie B's hot chicken? You know, I haven't, but I know of it. I've Get had it the done. hot chicken, but not there. Get it done. All right. Hattie B's hot chicken. Uh, and go ahead, buy yourself a, go and treat yourself to a 40 uh, ounce too, because they have chicken, they have 40 ounces. All right. So get a Hopefully 40 ounce of Miller High so Life. Once I'm off TV. They are open late. And then uh, there's a bar that's kind of by Vandy, and it's called Winners and Losers. Um, it's really cool because it's a bar. It's, it's two bars in one. And the side that's called the Winners, it's like a really pristine, like prestigious kind of bar. And then the loser side is like a dive bar. And it's and, and it's <laughs> one cool. building, two bars. Yeah, it's really cool. Good concept. Yeah, and then there's great music there, Which too. one would I fall in? Uh, I think I spent most of my time in the Losers Bar because no, I'm just gonna, I was going to say that's I where I belong. Best, I think the best music was at the Losers Bar. But I think yeah, I belong there. Also, it's where I belong to. <laughs> Makes yeah. you feel better. <laughs> These yeah. are my people. Singing yeah. the blues this at the Losers Bar. I'm home. <laughs> uh, hey, I wonder if they have some Vita de Louis. Good call. There. We'll find out. And obviously, Coos. <laughs> <laughs> found out they have it at the beach bars <laughs> last night. They weren't lying with the take a shot with an orange, I'm telling you. Good stuff. There you well, go. Yeah, just make sure you don't do too much. I mean, <laughs> don't do 20 of them. We'll be fine. Drink responsibly yes. is part of the message. Uh, and so is the happy hour horn part of the message here on a Tuesday, 5 o'clock hour.
I've been, I've been watching this drink for the past two years. It's got great knee bend. He's got all the intangibles. <laughs> uh, grab a drink, get a shot, and tip your star tenders. Very good scouting yes. report right there. Bowlby with the tunes, and you know where to find Vida de Louis at uh, local bars, restaurants, and liquor stores uh, in the area. Locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville, made in tequila, Mexico, shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vida de Louis tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. Just ask Coos. Leave your troubles ashore. <laughs> Live the island life with the citrus of the sea. Vida de Louis tequila for locations, recipes, and merchandise. Visit com. Couple of football notes, NFL notes. Uh, Frank Clark goes and gets paid at Kansas City. Interesting because they try to beef up that defense, a team obviously that opens the season right here in Jacksonville. I think Frank Clark is a guy uh, that people are probably like, meh. They're like, he got paid $100 million? Holy cow. Danny Kangakwe is like, oh, cha-ching. Yes, he is. And, but Clark's also a guy that stuck out in Seattle where people knew about Richard Sherman, know about Russell Wilson, knew about Marshawn Lynch. Bruce Irvin, uh, Chris Clemens. Earl like Thomas, yeah, those guys back know, then, yeah. Frank Clark has come along there mm-hmm. and developed, obviously, into a very good pass rusher. And now the Chiefs have him. What do you make of the move today? Uh, so from a, from a standpoint of a defensive end, an edge rusher, it's great. But from the point of the Kansas City Chiefs, what they've done, uh, this is a guy coming in who's had some issues back in college in terms of domestic violence. Now, those cases were dismissed, so take it for what you want. But, um, you know, a, a team that just got rid of Kareem Hunt that's going through Tyreek Hill to bring in another guy that might have a little bit of a checkered pass. Now, uh, you know, I've, I've been on the record many times saying that how I'm against domestic violence, but I should probably clarify, too. I mean, listen, if, if you're in high school, you're in college, you do something stupid and it gets dismissed. I mean, I can't judge you because I have no idea what happened. But as soon as you get to the league and these things start popping up, then I have a I, have a, I mean, let's be honest, you can't do that ever. But if you get to the league and you're doing this stuff, that's where I have the issue. So maybe he's turned a, a corner. Maybe um, he's, you know, he's grown with maturity since his college days. We don't know what happened at Michigan. But from a from a defensive end standpoint, it's it's great for the Kansas City Chiefs. By the way, the market has been set. We talked to you on Ekin Gakwe already. I mean, the market this, just about has been set because Demarcus Lawrence and Frank Clark. This is over hundred million dollars. This deals. is why you pay the man as soon as possible, so this stuff doesn't happen. Because the the market value is only going to keep on going up and up for here. So yeah. the the longer that you wait to pay Ngakwe, the more it's going to hurt your pocket in the long run. And by the way, Frank Clark is a nice um, comp, I think. If you're looking at the market, because mm-hmm. Yannick Ngakwe, I think, what did I say, t- uh, 29 sacks in three seasons? Yep. Well, f- four seasons for Frank Clark, 36 sacks. So that, you know, Yannick Ngakwe is going to eclipse that, mm-hmm. most likely, as long as he stays healthy. But, uh, yeah, 29 and a half sacks for Yannick Ngakwe in 48 games. So you better pay him sooner than later. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and that's uh, three seasons that have been dynamic. And I think he said, I, I think paid or not paid. And I uh, remember what I said. I think Yannick Ngakwe will get paid in uh, around Labor Day. I think it will be around that time. I think they'll they'll make sure he's through camp. He's healthy. He's ready to go. They think, you know, they're ready to invest. Um, and then they figure out the dollars. I, I think that's when that will happen. That's just a guess, pure guess. But I think he's going to have a huge year regardless of if he gets paid. I think Ngakwe is about to have a career year. Now, be careful with me and my predictions. I thought Miles Jack was going to do that last year. Not that Miles Jack had a terrible year. I just thought he was going Play to play middle pull. linebacker. Boom. You know, what do you and want to do? 
uh, I don't think uh, – now, Yannick Ngakwe already kind of has erupted onto the scene. Again, 29 sacks in three seasons, but I think he's about to take it uh, even to a new level uh, in 2019. So we'll see. We'll see if I'm right. We'll see what's, if he gets paid. But we know the market's going to be about $105, 110000000 dollars Let me ask you this, Brent. What's the over-under on sacks for Mr. Ngakwe this up-and-coming year? That's a good one. Uh, you know what I would do? I, w- I would look at his career numbers, which are eight sacks – his rookie year, 12 sacks his second year, nine and a half sacks his third year. Mm-hmm. I would set that at uh, career high at 12 and a half and go over and under. Okay. And I think I would go over. Mm-hmm. I would probably take you up in that as well. I think I'd go over. Would you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see if we get even closer. We're a long way away from that. <laughs> um, and, and again, I think I think the reason why, why do you ask Labor Day for me is because we want to make sure he's healthy. You know, mm-hmm. I mean – a guy gets a big injury in, in camp or in the off season, well, you may rethink and you can play the wait and see card and you always have the franchise tag at your disposal. But yeah. uh, again, I think they would like to get something done and obviously he would like to get paid. And I give him a lot of credit, by the way, for coming to this part of the yeah, season. Yeah, showing up right away you know, when he's supposed to. You know, we, we yeah. rip the guys that don't come or we talk about the guys that don't come. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we necessarily rip them, but we wonder where Telvin Smith is. We, you know, we talk about Jalen Ramsey. But I don't think we give enough credit to a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, who could easily be the one guy you would pick that would say, I'm going to sit out. I've been productive. I haven't got paid like Frank Clark, yeah. the Marcus Lawrence yet, but I should be getting paid, and I'm not coming until I get paid. That's how it usually plays out, yet he's here during voluntary offseason conditioning. L- let me ask you this, and I've never had a chance to speak with him. I mean, I've, I've seen him on film, and I've seen him on Twitter. Um, you know, He's always tweeting really inspirational stuff. I get some teams don't like to put two captains on one position, like, you know, defensive line. But do you think going forward, Yannick Ngakwe is is the captain of the Jacksonville Jaguars? You know, it's interesting. That's a good point. It's a good call because when we did talk to him at the Super Bowl, he mentioned leadership a lot. He wants to take that role over. He wants to add it to his plate. Now, just because he wants to add it to his plate doesn't mean they will. Remember, he got in a little, he got in mix-ups there. He's been in mix-ups in that locker room a little bit. I'm not saying brouhaha's. Defensive lineman, Brent. But he's been in verbal disagreements, loud ones in that locker room. He and Dante Fowler out on that practice field. So, I'm not saying that disqualifies you, but... I like that the guy's asking for it. He wants to be more of a leader. He wants to accept that role. I I don't care about that part of it. I think he's going to put up big numbers. Bottom line, stay in your lane. And more draft talk coming up next on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back here on a Tuesday. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Coos here getting ready for the NFL draft. Just think about uh, 48, 51 hours away now. I think the Jags will make the pick about 835, 840. I uh, could go a little bit later than that, but not going to see it. Yeah, you going to Avengers? Avengers Endgame, yeah, it's kind of a big deal, Brent. You might have heard of it. Yeah, I'm going to be tired on Friday. Uh, are you, you going, going to that going too? too? I'm going to the 10:30 one. Oh, coos. Hey, here's what I'm going to do, guys. On Amateur Friday. hour. I'm going to be prepared to talk a little sports about the Jags draft pick. That's <laughs> what I'm going to do, okay, on Friday. I will talk about Thanos blowing a six-ring lead is what yeah, I'm talking about, say, a, a six-stone lead, I'm going to get will. both. I'm going to see the draft, and then I'm going to go well, into you, see. You're right. You it's can do that. It's a three-hour movie, though. It's That's not, what it, I'm saying. It, first of all, it's not a movie. It's an experience, and it's I can't wait. It's a three-hour experience. Didn't you get these tickets like a month ago? Oh, yeah. Sure did, Brent. I'd like to point out I bought mine today. See, by the way, too, you were uh, you you messed up here. Oh, because you 
You booked this. You could see the movie Friday if you want. No, to. but it's opening night, Brent. No, okay. no, no, no. This one will be ruined on social media if yep. you don't see it the first night. Yep. Just like the draft's going to be ruined if I look on Twitter, so I'm not going <laughs> to. You got to go back and you. watch it. Oh, no, no, man, I'm going to have fun with this. No, it's fine. I'm, I'm, my, my phone's going to be on silent. I'm going to turn it off. <laughs> so what's going to happen is I'm going to set the DVR to the NFL draft. I'm going to go see Avengers Endgame. going to be fantastic. Can't wait. I'm going to get home probably ideally around 10, maybe 1030. Then I'm going to throw on the draft, and I'm going to watch it. That's fine. So you'll be there. ready for Friday. That's yeah, good. I'll good. be ready. I'll be uh, looking like this again. Everybody relax. Yeah, we know you won't and be ready. going to be hungover. Um, <laughs> By the way, you messed up not because of that. You oh. messed up because you could really play fanboy Thursday night at the Jags draft party because Cody Rhodes is going to be there. I wish you would have told me that. We could have sent you on assignment. Maybe Cody wants to go see Avengers with me. I have an extra ticket. It sounds like he's busy. We'll see. You want to just give away a ticket to uh, a loyal listener? <laughs> well, it's going to cost about 20 bucks. <laughs> not just giving one away. Plus, so, it's not my tickets, one of my friend's tickets. A little donation. It. Yeah. Yeah. Even better, sit next to Austin's friend. We That's can it. sell this up. <laughs> you're, you're mad at your friend, so you're selling his ticket. Are, are you a fan of Austin Lane? Well, wait till you meet his friend. <laughs> sit next to his friends at Avengers. Yeah. All right. How about stay in your lane? I feel like we already did, didn't we? Yeah, kind of just <laughs> like I told you to stay in your lane. So stay in your lane, cruise control, going out to Russell Wilson. Did you see what the gift that he gave his offensive lineman after his big contract? I did. $15,000 worth of Amazon stock. Yeah, I thought Thoughts. that was pretty good. I thought that was cool. See, it was cruise control because that's a nice gesture. That's fifteen grand for each person. It's like seven shares of stock, right? I think. I'm not much in the math, Brent. I don't know, but um, that does, that's not right. It has to be more than that. Amazon stock can't be that high. I have no idea. All right, continue on, sir. <laughs> I'll leave math out of this. Thank you very much. Uh, so I think it's cool that he did that, but it also kind of feels like a chore. Just like, just give me the fifteen grand and. Like a check or something, or give me like a car. Don't, yeah, but don't give me stock, and then I have to take it out, and I gotta pay taxes on it. Who started this quarterback offensive line stuff? Oh, I think this goes back to like, I don't know, the first guy that ever set like the rushing record, like in the mid two. Th- yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I, but this isn't even for that. This is just for. Him getting a lot of money. Because and, he got the contract. Yeah. And him probably saying, can you guys please block from this season? Because the past couple of years have been a little rough. They have been pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, but that was creative, at least. It was creative. You know, most people got big dinners. Mm-hmm. I think uh, around here, like, I think you could get, like, hunting guns if you're, <laughs> if you're offensive line like those. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's been stuff, like, different. People get creative. If but you're I offensive line from Iowa, I'm sure they love hunting and guns. I don't know. I don't think everybody loves <laughs> Tight that ends stuff. From Iowa. There Tight we ends go. From Iowa. Well, maybe we can we can give uh, Hawkinson a nice rifle or something. He can go hog hunting. <laughs> that with. was the best thing Brad Meester got when he retired. What's that? It was like this. Um, I don't think it was tequila. Say it was like whiskey or something. But yeah. it was in a uh, like a shotgun. It looked like a shotgun, but it was full of tequila. Like tequila or was whiskey it like or whatever. A real size? Because oh, I mean, yeah. it was I've real seen, like, size. The small ones. Oh, it's no, like no, a, it was an like actual real size. This thing was huge. Dang! It was really kind of cool. Is he going to announce the Jaguars pick again this year or not? Or who's doing it? Scobie doing it? You know, I thought I heard Scobie was doing it. Okay. Uh, Nick, by the way, just sent me over Amazon.com's stock is nineteen hundred and twenty dollars, nineteen twenty three for one share. Hmm. Wow. I well, was right. So they get, it actually like less than seven. Shouldn't he have went Microsoft, though? Because isn't Microsoft big in Seattle? 
Does I think it's might be headquartered. Yeah. Uh, Amazon might be headquartered out there, too. I don't know. It makes you wonder with Jeff Bezos being in New York, if they're trying to cater <laughs> Russell Wilson, Brent, put that tinfoil hat on with me, man. Yeah. Join me a little yeah, bit. You still haven't got an email from Bezos. <laughs> no, I'm still waiting. Uh, pump or the brakes quick, and then maybe I should. Uh, easy. Speaking <laughs> of pumping the brakes, Brent, uh, let's leave the wives out of it. So pump the brakes. It's for all my wrestling fans out there. Brent, you have no idea what I'm about to talk about, but so be it. What else is new? The WWE has changed. Okay, so to kind of set the story, I guess, there's a tag team called the War Raiders. And I saw them in NXT a couple times. They just got called up to the big show. A lot of hype around them. Well, two weeks ago, the War Raiders had to change their name from the War Raiders to the Viking Experience because Vince McMahon didn't like the crowd chanting war. That was kind of their thing. Like, everyone chants war, war, war. And for whatever reason, advertisers didn't like that. So two weeks ago, McMahon demanded that they change their name to the Viking Experience. Well, due to the <laughs> due to the outrage and just like everybody being pissed off, they had to change the name again this past Monday, and now it is the Viking Raiders. So uh, in three weeks, they've had three different names. And not good. I don't have to tell you, Brent, you're not a big wrestling fan, but anytime you change your name, it's kind of a big deal. And the fact that they've had three names in three weeks. Not a good sign for the Viking Raiders. Now. Did I see on Twitter they split up like a big tag team deal too? Uh, no, maybe not. Maybe. I read maybe. It wrong. I mean, the, they're like they've split up a couple people, but I mean, nothing crazy. Nothing. nothing. Like I think Sheamus and Cesaro might be split up, but. Do you feel, as we all elite wrestling continue to talk about it, Cody oh, Rhodes will be here Thursday. We've I had know. the wrestlers in. Uh, do you think is WWE losing any steam with some of their decisions? Uh, yes and no. I mean, some of the decisions have been a little baffling, especially with Rousey. Now Rousey's taking some time off. That's going to hurt the women's division a lot. Um, I think Becky Lynch is losing a little steam as well. She was kind of their cash cow. I think she's lost a little steam. So from that perspective, yes. But at the same time, we don't know what all elite wrestling is bringing to the table yet because they haven't had any pay-per-views. They haven't had a match yet. So I, th- I think once that gets established, um, then WWE is going to feel a little more heat underneath them yeah we'll see if they do uh all right hey we started the show with the top draft hits draft busts in jacksonville and like i said at the top you would think because the jags have not been so good especially in recent memory that the list of busts is long i was actually surprised going through the whole order of it that it's not as long as you you really would think um I think the the hits are more numerous for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a little easier. You kind of qualified it too because you said really if you're a draft bust, you got to be most likely picked in the first round. Yeah. Uh I I really don't even know if you can be a second round bust. I, I'm not sure if that that qualifies. But you can be a fifth round or a sixth round pick or a fourth round pick and be a draft hit. So, here's my busts list or bad pick list. Luke Jokel, Justin Blackman, Blaine Gabbert, Derek Harvey, Matt Jones, R.J. Soward, and I put Brian Anger on here, and this is not that's his like fault. Six, that's like seven busts. No, yeah, no, I just was okay. going through. I'm telling you, that's all I could find over the oh. years in saying, okay, these would be potential busts. And we're doing something on ActionNewsJacks.com. It's uh, probably published by now. Top five hits, top five busts. So we did narrow it down, and I take Anger away. See, Anger fits in bad pick department, but... He's not a bust. I mean, not as a third-round punter. <laughs> the guy that's – I mean, Gene Smith, that was a bust for him. And I also don't know if 
where Luke Jokel even fits on there. <laughs> Can I just say one thing about the whole anger thing quick with Gene Smith? Yeah. You remember Zach Potter? Yes. Humble dude. Yeah. Well, like one of the nicest Nebraska, guys you're ever going to meet. So Nebraska, tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Zach Potter, <laughs> when they drafted anger, he put out, what are we thinking? Like on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, needless to say, he had a meet with the, like, the staff next day. He did. He and, got called uh, in the office. Yeah, I called in office a little bit. And needless to say, that tweet was quickly deleted. Ah, well, he was right. I mean, I, th- I think we're all thinking it. And, and of all people, Zach Potter said it. So here's my here's my five. Uh, Blackman's got to be on there. Mm-hmm. Gabbert's got to be on there. Derek Harvey to me is the top one of all time. He's mine as well. He's he's he was Mister Invisible. They traded picks to go get him. They they put a hole in the ceiling, jumping up and down that they got him, and they were, couldn't have been more wrong. And at the time, they thought they were. One guy away from going to a Super Bowl and and advancing in 2008, and it just was the start of this swoon for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It it set so many things in motion. So not all the rest of it was Harvey's fault, but he was bad. It just was bad. Uh, R.J. Soward is really near the top of the list. And what's interesting is Soward and Blackman obviously had some issues, too, that they deal with. And I think Matt Jones is on the list, but – it's also debatable because of kind of where he was picked in the first round we were talking about. So I think you have to have, if you narrowed it down to five, it's got to be Harvey number one. I would probably put Gabbert number two, Soward, Blackman, and Jokel as my top five. Uh, for me, number one's Derek Harvey, and it's hey, I, I've I've sung his praises before on the show. I mean, yeah. as far as a person and a character, I mean, the, the the guy was all time. The guy helped me out a lot, um, in the league. And to have a rookie come in and take your spot, some guys won't be cool with that. He was, but Harvey is number one. I got Blackman number two. I think from just the potential of what you saw as as wide receiver, of the flashes that he showed, it was um, it was obviously lost due to his you know off the field issues. So number two is Blackman. Number three, Blaine Gabbert. Uh, four, I'm gonna have Matt Jones, and five is a tie between Luke Jokel and Bortles. And you got and, Bortles. And, and uh, R.J. Sard. I mean, I wasn't too familiar with that franchise then, so it's. Yeah, you know. yeah, yours is more of a modern day list. It's a modern day uh, list, and, and you know that's what's interesting about the list. In recent memory, first round draft picks have not been great. Uh, but I'll continue to say this. See, I think people get carried away on the bust list. People talk about Dante Fowler Jr. and they talk about Bortles, and they're even starting to talk about Fournette and all these guys. Well, Jokel certainly fits the bill. I mean, you draft him to be a cornerstone left tackle, and he, you know, a few he, years later, he he's was gone. two overall, correct? Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, he's I mean, supposed to be a cornerstone pick, mm-hmm. and yeah, whether it was a weak draft or not, he was it's a weak player in the draft. Yeah. But see, I still feel a lot of those other guys, Fournette. Who's still early to tell, but Bortles and Fowler on this way to that AFC Chark. Championship game in uh, in oh. in 2017, those guys helped get you there. They made critical plays yeah. to get you there. You draft to try to get there. That's what you do. You draft to try to get to those big games. Well, that group, although it didn't have staying power still helped you get to a place you had only been to two other times in franchise history, oh. and those guys made critical plays to get you there. Brent, let me ask you this, though. Say Blaine Gabbert got you to the AFC Championship with Blaine Gabbert's numbers. Is he going to be on your list for a bust or not? If Blaine Gabbert had one good season, is he on your list? Um, I would certainly slide him down, and he might be on the outside looking in. If Blaine okay. Gabbert had gotten this team to an AFC Championship game some way, shape, or form, I mean, yeah, it's debate. I'm not saying he shouldn't be on your list, Bortles. He's just not on mine because no. of that. Okay. And these other guys that people have as just complete busts, I just think it's a little over the top.
on it. Um, that's a fair question, though. Mm-hmm. I certainly would think about it. <laughs> considering, But Gabbert would have played better that one year, and he wouldn't be as sour in, your, in, in everybody's mind, at least for the one year. All right, how about the biggest hits coming up next on ESPN 690? All right, so some draft busts for you. We gave you those. Thanks for not including me on the list, Brent. Yeah, you're welcome. I appreciate you, man. Started the show talking about that as yeah. potential. I'm sure you saw the video of me yesterday hitting the cardboard box. Yeah, you, I was you scared, did. right? I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By the way, I hope that... Ty was watching that, too, because that, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm going to ever fight a, a middle schooler, but <laughs> if you keep talking smack about Murray State University, I will catch a case for it, okay? I, I will catch a case. I told you, he's on your side now. He switched. I'll believe it he when wants, I see it. Uh, he wants the Bucks to win. Okay. He wants Giannis. Okay, I like it. So there's that. He's <laughs> trying to get back in the good graces or at least avoid you in a cage match, <laughs> which enough. is smart on both fronts, Yes, I would think. Uh, all right, uh, let's take a look at some of the, the players the Jags have hit on. Mm-hmm. All right? We'll go back to the first pick this franchise ever had, Tony Baselli. I'm going to give you the number one first-round picks. Mm-hmm. Tony Baselli, Fred Taylor, John Henderson, Marcus Stroud, Reggie Nelson. Good player. Mm-hmm. Gosh, is Reggie still playing? Feels like he did. he's got to be done now. I think he's done. Yeah, I think he is done. He was last was in Oakland or Cincinnati. I think he went from Cincinnati to Oakland. I don't know okay. if he went back to Cincinnati. Yeah. I think Reggie's done. Would you say that's a guy that I kind of underachieved the Jacksonville Jaguars a well, little bit? Yeah, and I, again, I don't have him on like a major hit, but you can't, he was also a good player. Yeah, so I mean, I, mean, I, I spent some time with him. Yeah, like certainly he's, not a bust guy. Yeah. I'm not sure they got everything out of him, and I don't know if that was because of what was around him at times, how they utilized him at times. Uh, but he went on even when he went to Cincinnati, I think it was, and played well. Mm-hmm. Like it might, I don't think he made a Pro Bowl, but he played really well one year in Cincinnati. So he had plenty of juice left in the tank. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is an obvious one. Yeah. So then I have some second-round guys. Maurice Jones-Drew. He's, he's on my list. You have he, to put him on my list. He's got to be in the top five. Yep. Daryl Smith. Oh, you forgot about Daryl. That's your guy. Dude, that just goes to show you like how quiet he was as a player and how underrated he yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, he's a second round guy. Rasheed Mathis. Yeah, interception uh, record mm-hmm. here in Jacksonville was a second rounder. Uh, Brad Meester, mm-hmm. second round guy. Not too many centers you talk about, but still, Mister Jaguar. Played what thirty of... years in the NFL? It seemed like. <laughs> uh, and don't forget the sack leader in franchise history, Tony Brackens, mm-hmm. was a second round guy. Third round. Yannick Ngakwe, who we've talked about it several times on the show. Uh, Vince Manawai recently passed away. Mm-hmm. And Manawai, I think uh, at that right guard spot, I think others would say, I think Chris Naoli, too, is in the mix. Mm-hmm. But Manawai, to me, is the best right guard in, yeah, in franchise I mean, he's, history. He's, he's definitely probably like the all Jaguars team. Yeah. He's definitely on that list for guard, yes. Uh, so that's three third rounds. I only found a few third rounders. Fourth round we go. David Garrard. Mm-hmm. I have David Garrard, by the way, might you could put him in that biggest hit. I mean, yeah. almost category. Fourth rounder to do what he did and uh, be the starting quarterback for as long as he was. Uh, again, not huge things, but... Good things from a number four, uh, from a fourth round pick. <laughs> I put Rob Johnson in because that ended up turning into Fred Taylor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, in an indirect way, Rob Johnson was a very good pick. And then uh, I couldn't get past only one fifth rounder 
Telvin Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I think this is a hit. He's got a Pro Bowl on the resume. Fifth round guy. And keep in mind, Telvin Smith dropped in the draft. I think he was projected as more like a third round guy. And he dropped in the draft that year because of the drug test. I think it was at the combine. Um, and that slid him back. Mm-hmm. And the Jaguars jumped on that and got him in the fifth round, which I, I still think I know we're going through. People are a little bit uh, antsy on the Telvin Smith stuff right now because he's not here mm-hmm. and there's a back and forth. And should they get rid of him? Should they move Miles Jack? But Telvin Smith at this stage of it, production wise, where he was picked, uh, I think is a hit for the Jacksonville Jaguars. My surprise is I found more hits for the Jaguars than I expected. I thought the list would be a lot longer for the bust. You got some? Uh, By the way, if this yeah. was the top five, I just named about 50. Well, yeah, I mean, if this is the Mount Rushmore, there's about, I don't know, 45 heads right now that yeah, are being chiseled. So, <laughs> good call, Brent. Uh, the artist is busy. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was told to get five guys, and guess what? I got five guys because I'm doing my job. Uh, the, the top pick of all time, I'm going Tony Baselli. And I understand from the fact that he was the second pick of the draft, right? If I'm not mistaken. Or yeah. third, yeah, the second pick of the draft. So it's kind of an easy pick, but at the same time, it's going to be your only uh, Hall of Famer that you're going to have on the team. So you had to go Baselli at number one. Number two to me, Maurice Jones-Drew. Um, and when I say draft hit, I, I mean, like, this is a guy that slid because of his size, and teams weren't willing to take a chance on him. Well, the Jaguars took a chance on him, and you saw that panned out. So I think from a from a GM perspective, from a draft perspective, taking that chance, you know, hearing that he's undersized and still giving him a chance, it panned out well. So he's number two for me. Number three, I got to go Telvin Smith here because he's, really? a, he's a pro bowler. And he's a fifth-round pick. I mean, what more do you want? And that's nothing against him this year. I mean, this past season he had a, a rough go of it, but from um, from a fifth round pick from that production, that's hard to find. So I'm going number three, Telvin Smith. Number four, see this. Uh, number four, I'm going to go Yannick Ngakwe, and I understand Brackens is up there as well, but I think Ngakwe is about to get paid. And sometimes we talk about it, Brent. It's not about how much money you make; it's what the money says. Ngakwe is about to get paid over $100 million, and that tells me that he's one of the best edge rushers in the NFL and one of the best edge rushers in Jaguars history. If that's the case, he's a third-round pick out of Maryland, so I'm putting him at number four. And then number five, uh, this guy wasn't even drafted, but I think from a standpoint of production uh, for just at least a season with the Jaguars, I think Alan Hearns is a guy who you brought in, undrafted free agent, came in and balled out one year and was a big part of the success uh, for that offense that one year. So, Alan Hurts. Hey, that's an interesting find. From an undrafted free agent standpoint, uh, the first guy that always comes to mind is Montel Owens. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Big-time special teams guy. Played a lot of years. Uh, could fill in a little bit in the backfield. But he's a big-time special teams guy mm-hmm. uh, from undrafted. He was always that, at least when I got here originally, it felt like the guy that everybody kind of referenced with the undrafted free agents. Mm-hmm. Hurts is a good one. Uh, keep in mind, Hurts had a 10-touchdown season. Exactly. So uh, I like it. You've done more I'm of just, a modern era of Well, I'm doing the modern picks. era, and I'm just seeing, I guess, like the value of the draft. Oh, yeah, draft. and you that's a good mean? way to look at it. Yeah. That's why you've got to be careful with the – I think well, it's interesting with the – if you do best picks, you just yeah. go up and down well, the I guess t- number yeah, one. Jalen Ramsey. But Fred I mean, Taylor, Ramsey, Baselli. Jalen Ramsey was there. Like You didn't really reach for Jalen Ramsey. I mean, he kind of fell to you, right? Yeah, like, it's, yeah. So, like, I, I was trying to put in more in line of, like, maybe some risks, maybe some unheard of guys. But obviously, Tony Baselli, I mean, that was just – that was the pick. So Yeah, I think it's tough to get past that. And when you said it, Hall of Fame career, he delivered, he set the – you know, he did 
And unfortunately, he was compared to this guy. He did what they were hoping Luke Jokel would do as he reset the franchise, as they reset the franchise mm-hmm. in 2013. And, and and nobody envisioned, I think, Jokel being Baselli. But if he could do some semblance of that, and Jokel just couldn't get it done, uh, uh, never never materialized uh, at all. So, uh, so what happens this year? <laughs> uh, the draft is, you know, these the other part of the draft. If you look at some of the classes. That even Dave Caldwell's had. I think he's had success in the middle rounds. Obviously, third round with Yannick Ngakwe and Brandon Linder, guys like that. Uh, I think he's had he had success with Aaron Colvin and Telvin Smith, guys like that. Uh, I think Miles Jack could turn out to be as a second round value pick, one of the best picks in franchise history if he continues to trend upward. Uh, so, I Dave Caldwell has not done. It hasn't been all bad on Dave Caldwell. The first round picks are certainly questionable and and very questionable uh, for this entire franchise. You know, this franchise went south when they couldn't get the first round pick right. You Mm. need to get some good. You can miss once in a while. It's going to happen. Everybody misses. What I think you do is see, like, here's the thing. Here's the way you miss. You get a guy like Dante Fowler, who isn't a perennial pro bowler, 12-year Jag, who goes to the pride of the Jaguars. But you got some run out of Dante Fowler Jr. He got you some big plays. And on top of that, you got Yannick Ngakwe in round three. So you did, you found the needle in the haystack. It. You stole someone in round three. So that I look at that draft, I'm like, all right, well, yeah, Fowler, yes. But, He's not what you want in a number three overall pick. But he did give you something, and they got this guy. And that's great that we're talking pass rushing and ends and whatnot, but at the end of the day, the GM will always be tied to the first-round quarterback. That's it. And one could argue that Blake Bortles may or may not have been a bust. I'll tell you right now, he's not here anymore. So what does that say about your GM then? You know, I mean, I yeah. think uh, this is the year that Dave Cole has to get it right because going forward, um, he could be facing some scrutiny. Remember that stat I gave you, too, that even Tom Coughlin, in all the years, I think only picked – one quarterback in the first two rounds, mm-hmm. and he didn't really pick him. He ended up trading him for him. That was Eli Manning. How about that? Yeah. And now the Jags put themselves in a position not to have to pick a guy in the first two rounds because they went out and got Nick Foles. <laughs> Washing their hand cleans the situation. I'm I mean, sure there's a big sigh of relief being blown in That's and out fasc- Meanwhile, you look at a guy like Dorsey in Kansas City who goes back-to-back Mahomes-Mayfield. Yeah, pretty wild. Hey, more to come. We wrap up a show on a Tuesday as we get ready to head to Nashville. Okay, maybe not. We uh, you on ESPN six ninety coming up next. What does it say? I'll be recovered by then. I'm down. We're me and Coos are gonna have a Nashville style party in the studios tomorrow. Oh, sorry, Brangus. I guess you're gonna miss it. You're you're on the road. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, you want me to send some hot chicken? Oh, that'd be nice. Have you ever had hot chicken? See, you've never had hot chicken. No, I, did. Had, I, have, I have. Not, not had. But not beans. at, uh, yeah, not had any Coos, yeah. hot chicken? You fan? Is that just chicken that's Okay, hot? never mind then, Coos. Oh, boy. Move yeah. on. Moving on. It's like spicy, dude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is it, is it just hot? Is it steaming? <laughs> I was like, I'm just not sure. Like what, fried? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah hey, it's fried uh, chicken. Coos, are you bored by the NBA playoffs? Or are you um, no, enthralled? Or are they missing LeBron James? No, I think they're doing just fine without him. Um, I think maybe. Really? You think there's been inter- has this been entertaining? Are he's, you entertained? No, he's trying to stick up for the driving dish podcaster. That's all. No, it is. I mean you got Dudley trying to fight the entire Sixers team. You got Westbrook who won't make a comment back to the uh, media. 
And then you've got Donovan Mitchell going off last night. You got Giannis doing his thing. I mean, the Clippers MVP like numbers from Giannis, by the way. The Clippers stealing a game from the Warriors. Like I, I there's there's a lot of storylines with it. Brent, what do you think? Well, you got to take 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 Kuz away. Like I, he's enthralled with the NBA playoffs. Like I was enthralled with Tiger and the Masters. Okay, so it's different. So you got to go with what catches the masses. What's catching the masses of people right now, the casual fan in the NBA right now? And I would say, I mean, like the Clippers, see, and again, you still know it's over. Like they're not coming back. I mean, they're not beating them. Do you you think people are trending about the San Antonio Spurs and Denver Nuggets? Probably not. No, but I think there's something to be said for a two seed that's struggling with a, a seven seed. But it's the Nuggets, though. I, I called it when we gave a prediction that said yep. the Spurs are going to win. So, well, you're so smart. I am. <laughs> Austin Lane, special guest on the Driving Dish podcast, coming yeah, up this yeah, week. That's right. <laughs> from the AAU days. I do yeah. think, uh, like, I think the Bucks are a good story. I know they're not a big market story, but with Giannis and the Bucks, I think they're a good story that people are going to find more about as these months go along because it takes so long for the NBA playoffs to materialize. And and that's the other part of it. They just need a series to jumpstart things because here we are in the end of April and they're getting overshadowed by the NFL draft. And they're also even getting overshadowed to a degree, I think, by the big upsets in the NHL, Mm -hmm. the game sevens in the NHL. I mean, I'm talking from a from a wide look at sports. Um so, yeah, I think right now the NBA playoffs are a little bit boring. Does that mean they miss LeBron James? No. I don't I don't know. I think it's too early to know that. I think but LeBron w- James would at least give headlines to it. You know that. Yeah. You get bigger headlines than the NBA is getting right now. Giannis is not giving those kind of headlines. Harden is not giving those he- kind of headlines. We all know the Warriors are going to be there at the end, and we're kind of tired of them anyway. For the, I mean, the Rockets, what do you think about the Rockets? Are, are, are you sold on them? Losing to the Warriors, you think they have a chance? Uh, you know, I want to say that they're going to lose, but hard is, I mean, like, they really could push them. I mean, they pushed them last year. Yeah. So if you have a healthy Chris Paul, like, maybe you can, and KD gets a little flustered again. You have a guy in his face like they did with Patrick Beverly on the Clippers. Like, it's possible. I don't think it's the most logical one that will happen. Like, I think the Warriors will win, but I think that – series that matchup whenever we get there once once the rockets can beat the jazz it will be the most exciting thing and that's and that's what i'm talking about so that's the jump start right we could Mm -hmm. potentially in the next let's call it 10 days we could have golden state and houston and milwaukee and the celtics and those two series might be better than anything else we get the entire rest of the playoffs. They might be better than the uh, conference championships, and they might be better than the NBA Finals. Well, I think the next 10 days might be the high point of the NBA playoffs. And then, especially in the East. I mean, you look at the East right now and the teams that are probably going to advance in the playoffs. Yeah, I want to say the Bucks are going to go to the championship because I'm a Bucks fan, but I think any team that's remaining in the East after the second round coups could go to the to the finals here. Like Boston's been a surprise. I didn't see Boston going four or no against the uh, against the Pacers, and all of a sudden Kawhi Leonard's coming out of nowhere and well, not really out of nowhere, but he's leading the Raptors. Hot, yeah. yeah. So it's it's hard, and you have the 76ers, TJ McConnell. So it's just uh, <laughs> it's hard to predict. <laughs> yeah, your guy. No, uh, I'm by, saying. By the way. You, you had said it could be a bloodbath in the East, but it, see that's another reason why it hasn't. Nothing's happened yet because it hasn't been sweep. Yeah. Sweep. Well, it's think, about to be four to one with the Magic, and then the other series. And I think the other, I guess, to that point would be 
both teams that were the lower-ranked team won the first game and haven't won since. Yeah. So it's kind of like you got the, oh, my gosh, they did this way off in the early uh, part of the playoffs where maybe if it was like, you know, the the Nets won the first game against the Sixers and then the Magic had won the third game or something, it kind of spreads out that excitement and uh, energy, and I think maybe that would have helped a little on that end. Ben Roethlisberger is about to get a contract extension. No kidding. How many years? It sounds like Schefter says, uh, working hard to complete a contract extension for quarterback Ben Roethlisberger before Thursday night's NFL draft begins. Hmm. Uh, headed into the final year of his contract, uh, Pitt wants to retain him well beyond. What they are you worried about getting him like, in shape for? You've seen Ben Roethlisberger? Like, he's not the most you know in-shape quarterback in the NFL, and that, and that guy's getting money, Brent, so, so that worry is, about training, man. That is true, uh, but if I had gazillions of dollars, I would probably be a little bit less worried about well, maybe how shape I'm in. Maybe you need to focus more on your job and not so much on the gym. You'll be fine. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I'm, I'm trying to make you feel better, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Jax Dave says, why not just work out with uh, you? I don't think I don't you think, think I can problem. handle it. No, can you? you can handle it, Brent. You, you, you don't get a little. Do you want to wet your whistle in an MMA workout one of these days? See what um, it's all about. By the way, so Derek Marks chimed That's in and said, no. "Call Milo." <laughs> the Jaguars uh, strength yeah. and conditioning coach. I don't want either any part of either one of you guys. We don't have to go full you contact, Brent. We can just uh, you know, we can just move around a little bit, throw some hands. Hey, you lo- I like uh, to get the fan pick on the on the show sometimes. We had Bold City Brigaders yep. in. We're going a different direction. I'm putting them on the spot. We've got Mike from Rennes Pizza in studio. So I'm bringing them into the show. Get up to that microphone, Mike. Come on. You can do it. Mike, I have one question for you before we get an NFL talk. Pineapples on pizza, yes or no? Oh man, that's a big one. Oh man, there's uh, there's very split split communities about the uh, <laughs> pineapple. Right I mean, uh, it's in some ways it's the antichrist of all pizza. Um, yes, I like is. that. Let's go ahead and save that quote quick. I but like, he like that. the one that you dropped off to him. Okay. All right. So, well, Mike, I if you're going to do it, you got to do it at Renos. I mean, there's no doubt. Excuse me, Brent. So, what are your thoughts, though? Are you are you for pineapples on a pizza or against it? I mean, is the family listening right now? No, I mean, you're all good, man. It's just us in here. I mean, I married into the family, and uh, I don't think I don't think they like it. Um, I I I personally, uh, I'm a fan. I oh, do no. I do like <laughs> I do like it. Uh, yeah, Mike, it was great having you stop <laughs> yeah, by. Yeah, I know. Uh, good <laughs> talk, guys. Uh, nice yes. to meet you. Nice. Thanks for sponsoring the show. Uh, uh, this is a trend. Different direction. This is a trend. Austin kicks off every guest that we have. <laughs> Any guest that doesn't agree with my principles, yeah, I'm kicking them off. <laughs> I tell you, what, I've told you this. My wife, the pineapple and ham pizza is a go-to. Oh. It's not even just like on the list. It's like go-to. Yeah. Before pepperoni. I mean, can I ask what, what is what is your what's your uh, what's my beef topping? with it? Yeah, no, oh, no. What, what's your top- topping of choice? I mean, are you literally just- anything besides pineapple? Honestly, like I like salty stuff, so like sausage, pepperoni is good, mushrooms, olives, green olives are even good, but um, I, I I can't do sweets. I just can't do pineapple on a pizza. I mean, is that is that is he talking? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're good. Okay, uh, does that apply across everything? I mean, salty, sweet, like uh, chocolate pretzels, or, oh, or is no, it just that's, pizza? That's just pizza. Yep, because to me, pizza is a dinner, and I don't mix my sugar with like my tomato sauce stuff like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> what do you go? Uh, you go the everything pizza. I'll do that. Get everything. Yeah. How about anchovies? Yeah, I'll do anchovies. Do you sell a lot of anchovies? A lot, pizza? no, but they're a constant. They're, I mean, you've got to carry them. There's no doubt. Um, I, but a lot is probably a stretch, and a lot of them end up doing it on the side because if they're sharing that pizza, yeah. chances are whoever they're sharing with is probably not gonna, uh, 
you know, do the anchovies. You know what's funny about that is I don't even know if I like anchovies on pizza, but I just grew up and every my mom every time she would order and she liked the everything pizza and I liked everything. I'm not really picky. Yeah. So she'd be like, all the the everything pizza, with, but no anchovies. Like she would always say that. So like I don't even think I've ever tried them. You never had anchovies? No. Oh yeah, they're all good. All right, let me consider it done. Consider it done, brother. I'm bringing you an anchovy pizza, at least half of it. I'm in. I'll do pepperoni other half for you, but uh, pineapple. No, we're good with that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll split it three ways. We I can build it up. Some too. How's the uh, How's the new location? New five, location. You got five of them. Yeah, no, and um, uh, the new location. We're uh, wrapping up year one. Year one's always the toughest year, and uh, we're coming out of it. So I'm pretty excited. That's you know? awesome. Yeah, we yeah. over here on the show, we think uh, wrapping up the fourth month's always the toughest. <laughs> <laughs> it's All right, you're a big Jags fan. Yeah. Give us who you want. Who do you want uh, them to get Thursday night? I think I think it has to be a tight end. Um, I like it. You got to get T.J. Hawkinson out of uh, Iowa. You have to. Uh, UV blocks. You're looking for a right tackle. You put him on the right side, and uh, you need a release that ball. You've got a quarterback you signed a lot of, for a lot of money to. Uh, he likes his tight ends, and no disrespect to who we have on the roster right now, but I think this guy is a game changer, and um, you know I think it has to be the call, and then second round and. There's a couple other good right tackles out there. You can clean it up. Yeah. I do think, uh, again, we'll talk more about this tomorrow, is how much do you weigh what's left on that board? Say it's a pass rusher versus a right tackle versus tight end compared to what you might get in round number two, mm-hmm. right? What's the gap? Right. And that's what they have to judge. And I mean, listen, I think you're speaking to the masses. I think everybody would love to see tight end. That's what will make the place go nuts. Hey, thanks for ch- checking in. Safe travels, by the way. Absolutely. And, thank, uh, thank you, guys. I'll be in uh, Nashville. Check out Renna's Pizza. Five locations, Marsh Landing, Bay Meadows, Argyle, Argyle Forest, San Jose, and the newest location in Neptune Beach. And by the way, six fresh garlic knots for free if you tell them Brent or Austin All right. at ESPN 690 sent you to Renna's Pizza. So if you're looking for something to do for dinner tonight, go to Renna's Pizza. You guys going to be able to handle this by yourself tomorrow? I think we'll be all right. Are you going to be good in Nashville by yourself? I'll be fine. Coos. Drink water tonight, okay? All right. Please. (laughs) And get an attitude adjustment while you're at it. We will see you from the draft in Nashville tomorrow. Have a good night, everybody. I'll see you on TV as well, Fox 30 and CBS 47. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.